Yoski, it's episode five of the Gaming Memories Podcast, where I, Kate Call, aka Roboclip, aka the great gaming god, prophet, seer, and revelator of all things gaming, interview people you've most likely never heard of, but are actually super dope, and you should hear of them because they do dope shit about their favorite gaming memories growing up. On this episode of the podcast, we have no shortage of dopeness when it comes to our guest, the one and only, the fighting game demigod himself. Thomas Winkley. When it comes to knowledge about gaming, Thomas is no joke. By day, he creates courses on Pluralsight for game development. He writes, records, and designs all the courses. If you want to learn how to make a game, 3D, 2D, or whatever, Thomas has got your back. If that piques your interest, head on over to Pluralsight.com and check out his courses there. Adding to his wealth of video game knowledge prior to designing game development courses for Pluralsight, Thomas was a manager for multiple GameStops for years and years and years, so he is in intimately familiar with the retail side, marketing, buying and selling of video games. And that's not all, folks. To add on top of his already stacked resume of video game wisdom by night, Thomas is a semi-pro Street Fighter V player. He doesn't just KO his competition when playing Street Fighter V. He does it with his own custom arcade sticks. If you're in the market for your own custom arcade stick for fighting games, Thomas Winkley is your man. He builds some of the dopest, best-looking, most responsive custom arcade fighting sticks I have ever seen. And if I haven't convinced you of Thomas's gaming cred yet, on top of all of this, he is part of the Big Shiny Robot team. BigShinyRobot.com is a website based here locally in Utah. One of the OGs when it comes to geek culture, nerd culture, reviewing video games, reviewing movies, comic books, TV shows, etc. And they also have a very long-running podcast titled The Big Shiny Robot Podcast, in which Thomas has been an integral part for a long time. Make sure to check out out on your favorite podcast platform just simply search big shiny robot in the search bar hit them up with a like hit them up with a share hit them up with a subscribe it's an amazing podcast second only to yours truly the great gaming memories podcast now let's dive into what we talked about today on this episode of the podcast thomas gives us a crash course on the basics of fighting game mechanics from frames to setting up combos and distance management thomas has your back if you're interested in learning how to play fighting games competitively. We touch on the fact that Thomas had a chance to play Daigo competitively with Street Fighter V. If you don't know who Daigo is, he's probably the most well-known competitive Street Fighter player outside of the Street Fighter scene. I know who he was because back in 2004, he had this amazing comeback at EVO World Championships. It's the most amazing comeback you've ever seen. He had, and, and it's like, it's basically the most shared fighting game clip of all time. He's an internet superstar, and Thomas had a chance to play him and talks about what it was like playing someone at that level. We talk about if he was CEO, dictator, and all-powerful being over the company GameStop, how he would turn the company around. And last but not least, if you're talking to me, we're going to end up talking about JRPGs, and this episode is no different. I am super honored to have someone as well-credentialed as Thomas on the podcast. I had a fantastic time talking to him, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Checky check. All right. Welcome to the podcast. We were talking about how good you are at fighting games. How? Uh, yeah, let's go decent. How decent You're I decent. am at fighting games. So I games. asked him, where do you sit in the grand scheme of fighting games? And you said, 
high school graduate or yeah. a high school football player versus like NFL versus an NFL veteran. Yeah. Still pretty good though. Yeah, just won a, you just won Salt Lake or Comic Con, right? Uh, gaming Con, yeah, yeah. Salt Lake Gaming Con, Street Gaming Con, Street Fighter. You did. You guys did Big Shiny Robot podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. still going? Still do it. Yeah, we've been doing it for seven years now. I actually just ordered a new audio interface today to replace my one from from college. So, and what'd you get? Uh, just new Personas. So I was rocking a Personas Eight Pre from. Forever, I, it didn't even have Windows Eight driver support. I think the last version they supported was seven. So I had I had two Personas Eights when I first started drum recording, and it was the Fire Studio. Yep. I think that's the same one I have. Same I th- one, Fire I, Studio. I think we had the same ones. Yeah. Dang you! So you've had that forever. Yeah. And it. Wow. I finally got a new laptop, and turns out you can't do USB to FireWire conversion very well. So here comes the update, getting that new new USB C model. Dang. Well. Yeah. It's time to update. You've had that for a long yeah. time. Well, and I can use light pipe, right, to link them, so I'll have 16 inputs. Yeah, it'll be good. So, Big Shiny Robot, check that out. What's Do you have, like, an Instagram for fighting, Street Fighter? Uh, I don't. So, I just, like, all my stuff I do is just on my name, just Thomas Winkley. Um, Thomas at, Winkley. At Thomas Winkley. I think Instagram is at Thomas underscore Winkley, if I remember right. But, yeah, I, I'm not creative. Like, I I never got the generation that goes by their gamer tag. Not saying it's a bad thing. It's just that's one <laughs> more you. thing I have to remember, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, um, but what a uh, big shiny Robert, You guys do not just gaming, but movies, pop culture, comics. Yeah, everything. exactly. Yeah, and it's a full, fun- uh, fully functional website. Uh, actually, we just launched version three point oh, four point oh. We just had a huge site update like last weekend. So fully new update, whole new back end for our writers, which is pretty cool. So they have how many guys are involved in that? Uh, I think we have about twenty to thirty people. Dang. So yeah, there's you know the six or seven of us that do the podcast, and then some of us used to write. I stopped writing five years ago, six years ago. We've got a good crew of solid staff writers now that are writing stuff, covering things, traveling a bit. So and is Street Fighter your main fighting game? Or are you good at a lot it's, of fighting? It's games? the only fighting game I really consider myself good at. Like I play the new Mortal Kombat. I think it's dope. Um, I tinker with like Tekken 7. I'll play any fighting game, but like if we're talking about being competent and having an understanding, Street Fighter 5 for sure is the only one. And the new Killer Instinct is okay. It's dope. No, so so it's it's weird because like it's not. It looks cool as hell. So it's new on PC, but it came out on Xbox One forever like, ago. Forever right? ago. And that's where the competitive scene was. So like it's a great fighting game. Super fun. Um, it's built on the idea that. You, it's it's there's a lot of guessing, right? So not guessing, but you have to you have to know what your opponent's doing. So the idea with Killer Instinct is instead of hitting links for combos, you have chains. So you can just keep chaining a move to get the combo to extend, right? However, it has combo breakers, which is if the split you, second where they can stop it. Yep, and yeah. they have to push the right version. So they have to if you're doing the heavy version, they have to push a heavy button to break it, right? Yeah. But if they push a light version, you are doing a heavy, they get broken or they get. Um, so if they mess up, they get even more penalized? Yeah, they can't break out of the combo, and you get way more damage. So that's kind of where the, the meta comes in, right? Is mixing up your combos on, am I going with a heavy version or a light version? That type of thing. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, com- so Combo Breaker is a big fighting game tournament in um, St. Charles, Illinois, every year. And um, Rick, the guy that runs it, he is a huge Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct guy. So it's one of the few major tournaments that's still running KI right now. And it's it's so much fun to watch. Like Killer Instinct is meant for spectators. It's got heavy hits, big bass, yeah. rock and roll music. Like that game is meant to to bring hype. It's what's fun. the hardest part about commenting fighting games? 
uh, knowing what's going to happen and understanding situations, I think. Yeah. I think a really good commentator not only understands, and I am a very, I would say I'm mediocre at best as a yeah. commentator, but they know not only like the frame data, they know all the interactions, they know all the combo routes, and they understand the mindset of the players a little bit so they can explain why things went down the way they did. Yeah. Because you'll see things where a player does something that looks completely random and you're like, why would you do that? But if you understand, you know, a high level mindset, they probably thought the opponent was going to, they were like, now you're going to jump forward. I'm going to do something to counter that. And so they do that immediately. And then the person doesn't jump. So it looks like they're just randomly jumping at them. So you have to understand like the mindset and the options at every like distance. That sounds really hard. I was trying to compare it to, I train a lot of grappling and a little, and a little bit of kickboxing, like a lot of jujitsu, submission, grappling. And I don't know anything about fighting games other than they look cool and like just mm-hmm. casually playing them. I wonder how much the uh, – because there's, there's the same idea as paths and certain options and certain games and style. That all plays out in like real fighting too. Right. I'm interested to how much of that meta actually a parallel – there's got to be some like Mighty Mighty Mouse. You know Mighty Mouse? He fights for the UFC. He's a big streamer. Mm-mm. He'd be a good person to ask. He's like, yeah, yeah. like 12 – Tile defenses in the Damn. UFC, and he's a huge gamer and loves fighting games. He'd be a good. I, so, someone like him should talk about how much that overlaps. I would agree, and I think like with anything competitive, right? To me, Street Fighter or any fighting game is like high speed chess. Is how I compare it. Yeah, um, because there really is like I mean, it's chess with more options, right? Because you have a limited move set that you can perform that will successfully counter a situation and your opponent is also moving in real time and you're trying to like adjust to them on the fly. Yeah. So I, I kind of compare it to like high speed competitive chess, but I guarantee like in, you know, fighting someone face to face, there's probably similar. Yeah. People describe grappling a lot. Jujitsu submission grappling is chess. Yeah. That same analogy is drawn. So yeah, that makes sense. As you were explaining it, I'm like, Oh, that kind of already sounds like someone talking about fighting a yeah. little bit. And it's a fighting game. Wow. And I, I in that real-time moment, I thought – I used to think fighting games are nothing like fighting. But now yeah. I'm like, hey, actually, kind of. there might be some I mean, elements. Like, yeah. I don't imagine I'm – like, I mean, I'm a pretty big guy, and I'm in okay-ish shape, not the best shape. So, like, if I went up against a real submission grappler, I'd get the shit kicked out of me. Yeah. yeah. But in a regular fight, I could probably hold my own. But I don't think Street Fighter well, would help me with that, Well, size definitely right? matters, too. Right. I don't it's think, a big deal. I don't think Street Fighter would help me with that. It would just be a... <laughs> you can't... There's nothing yeah. applicable. Yeah, I can't, like, you know, actually Dragon Punch. But some of the uh, the meta and the yep. parallels that it sounded... That's interesting. Was your first... So your, is your... F- because you love fighting games, is that mm-hmm. the first type of game you got into as a kid? No, actually. Um, I played, like, RPGs and shooters pretty much growing up. Uh, Dang. Almost exclusively. I played... I still play a lot of Final Fantasy, a lot of what, I mean, anything Square Enix makes. So like on the Switch, Octopath Traveler, tons of Castlevania. So you've done um, some of the new – you've done Octopath Traveler. Mm-hmm. How do you like it? It's okay. It's okay. I think, I think Square Enix is at this weird part where they're trying to find like a new, a new way to make money and like change up the JRPG rhythm, which is super cool. But some of the stuff they're doing is like these really great ideas that aren't deep. And that's kind of how I feel about Octopath. Like, after you get through the first eight characters and get, like, their world one story, you're basically just going on a, a cycle of, cool, now I go to the next city, and I do the level two story, and I fight all the monsters and get to the boss, and then that story The gameplay loop is sort of shallow. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, well, it's cool, and it's beautiful, but I don't see why I wouldn't just take this gameplay loop and play Final Fantasy fifteen or something, you know? Yeah. That's interesting, because I have... 
I, I grew up playing JRPGs. That's yeah. and the PS One is like my golden era. They don't, like SNES, JRPGs, PS One. Um, but I haven't been able to try. Like I tried. What's the new one? I am Setsuna. Yeah, I picked that up, but I haven't played it's it like, yet. Eh. I've tried a bunch of them. I am Setsuna. The Lost Fear is the next one from Little Tokyo Game Factory. Mm. I tried both the Noni Kunis. I tried the new Dragon Quest, and just none of them. Like I can, I make it like an hour, two hours in. I just can't do it. But that I consider is like my, my one of my favorite. Yeah, that's the most magical genre to me. But I just can't get into it anymore. See, and what's interesting about Nino Kuni is I love watching my wife play that game. Because I think it's absolutely gorgeous. It is gorgeous. But I could give a shit less about like the story. Yeah. So like for <laughs> me, if my wife's playing it, I will kick up on the couch and just watch her go through it because I just want to see the worlds. Yeah. But at the same time, I can also look away and like play on my phone or something and look back and You're see another beautiful full, escape. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Because I think I, I would agree with you there that I've struggled to really get pulled in by a lot of JRPGs lately. Um, I generally. Just, Am I allowed to swear on this? Absolutely. Fucking All right. I generally feel like, <laughs> like a lot of them, I'm kind of hate-fucking them, right? Like, I paid the money, and I've just got to get yeah, through these yeah. games. Yeah, And you're like, don't want to yeah. waste your money. Yeah, but, like, I, I would say, like, <laughs> if we're talking modern RPGs that I'm still, like, in love with and I can't talk enough good about, it's The Witcher 3. Oh, my gosh. That game, just, it, it redefined how RPGs should that play game, for me. First oh. off, how do you feel about Geralt as Henry Cavill for the I, Netflix series? I wasn't really, like... Either like I didn't really care much until I saw the latest trailer. What two weeks ago? It was decent. I'm actually yeah. I was actually kind it of into decent. it. Like he doesn't look like the girl from the games, but he looks pretty fucking close. And apparently, I didn't read the books, but it's closer to the books than the game. Yeah. Which I actually like because that means there's going to be more surprises. Yep. If it was based off the game, it it would be I would kind of already know what's happening and what's going to happen. Exactly. So I'm excited for that. The Witcher Three is the only game that I have done 200 plus hours. Yep. Easy. Easily. Easy. And, and the only the only downside I would say about that game, the only thing, and maybe that got they did a lot of work and patches later. This mm-hmm. may be better now. Um, is I did <coughs> the first few areas, I did everything. I had a, I have a completeness completionist yeah. mind, so I did all like the small tiny treasures, and you don't ever really get all the best armor and the best games in the in the game you, you find like the um plans for then you craft them right and so all this time getting all these chests and all these extra hours all these little loots and the treasure maps it didn't actually get me ahead in any way i would agree and i don't think that and again i didn't do all of the hunting but i i remember spending a lot of time getting like an acid scale armor of some sort from the dwarven smith somewhere yeah and i don't feel like that helped me at all in any of the boss fights like i still the boss fights really came down to skill like which is good yeah <laughs> yeah there's the end game i don't know it, 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 there was really no reward there wasn't even there just doesn't seem to be a reward for that ultra completionist yeah sort of mindset yep. but other than that and the dlc blood and wine did you play that one? I started it and I haven't finished it. You should finish it. I, I've heard I it's think really it's better good. than the main game. That's dope. Okay. Because that's the vampire one, right? It's the vampire yeah, one. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> it's awesome. And I, then Cyberpunk is coming. I, Cyberpunk is I, coming. I want it to be good. I'm going to struggle. You want it to be I'm good. I'm going to struggle with the shooter part. So like in the last probably 10 years for me, shooters are really – like even like Borderlands, which I recognize as a good game, <laughs> I, can't, I can't stick with it. Even though I think it's dope. I just can't like – for whatever reason, I just get tired of shooting. I'm not a huge shooter yeah. fan, and I was really let down because I was expecting it to be a third-person game mm. when it wasn't. But I have faith in CD Projekt. Oh, yeah. They're I so have good. a lot of faith. They're an amazing studio. Yeah. So we'll see. 
Sweet. What was the first video game you remember? Very I, earliest video game memory. And we'll, also, what year were you born so people kind of oh, know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was born in 85. So I'm, same year as me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're about the same age. I'm in my 30s. <sighs> Losing hair. Growing up. Um, so my, I think my, I don't know if it's my earliest Do you want a drink, memory. by the way? No, I'm good, man. No, no, like soda or anything? Water? Actually, all I have is Zevias and coffee. I'll take a I'll take a coffee if that's cool. Um, so like just remembering, I would say my earliest memory would be an Atari. Like my parents had this like broken ass Atari. Really? Yeah, and it was it was in rough shape. Like getting it to work was a whole thing, right? Oh, thank you, man. Especially as like a kid, right? Trying to build, like trying to hook up an Atari. That, not easy. But I remember playing like Pac Man with them, and I remember playing oh, what was the game? It was like a cowboy shooter. And you move up and down. down. Yeah, I and, think I've seen. And you have the little cactuses that. in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, so I, that was like my. I was super young. You had to be. I think you're. I think you can remember younger than I can because if we're the same age, you had to have been like four, three. I, I think so. And I my really earliest young. memories are like six, five. Okay. Yeah. But like that, I remember that. And like my best memory though is Mario World for Super Nintendo. Like that game for Super Nintendo, Super NES, yeah, Super NES Mario World. Years later, did you do any NES before SNES? Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends had a NES, I didn't. So, so you didn't have one at home. We know I would. That go, makes sense. We'd roll over and play like like we'd play like Little Nemo, and we'd play like you're the Double first Dragon. one to bring that up, dude. That game was dope. Little as Nemo a kid. was yeah. awesome, but I never owned any of those, so I just played them at my friends' houses. So okay, for me, like Super NES was the first system I officially owned as a person or whatever. Out of the ones at your friends' houses, that small time that you remember playing at friends before you got a SNES, mm. which one is th- your best memory? Oh, dude, What's, what uh, would it be? playing Double Dragon with them. Double Dragon. We would play Double also Dragon. Also, the first person to bring yeah. that up. We would we would get together and they had two controllers, right? And so we would just see how far. And we could never get very far, but yeah, Double Dragon. For I sure. love that you didn't even have to think about it. It was straight. Yeah. Yep, Double Dragon. Double Dragon. That, that was the was, best. Oh man, I love that game. You get the sticks, the legs of the little robot walkers, and beat people with them. Yep, yeah. <laughs> fucking love that game. Yeah. So then you went, then you did get a SNES, which means you would have been, we're like already jumping to like eight years old, nine years yeah, old, you think? Yeah, I feel like we, I got the SNES late though. Um, I'd have to like really dig there to get the date out, but like I remember it came in a bundle. I got like the Christmas Mario World bundle. So I got the SNES with Mario World. Um, and then they got me like Super Street Fighter 2. Which was very influential on me as a person. Um, yeah, so that's, that's yeah. kind of started. Yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of what like. Were you? Did you started. play a lot of Street Fighter Two and get good at it as a kid? I did. Like we used to have like the neighborhood kids would come over and we'd play for hours, hours and hours and hours. And like, I never got over the feeling of knowing how to beat somebody. Like that was the best feeling. I like not because I don't like I don't like love dominating people, but like the feeling of. <laughs> Who the, doesn't? Right. Let's be real. But, but, but like the feeling of like figuring somebody out and just handling the situation yeah. felt so good as a kid. And that's what pulled me back into fighting games, you know, six, seven years ago. So, yeah, I really. Who'd you uh, mainly play as on the Super Nintendo? Blanca and Honda. God, yeah. Blanca was definitely my favorite. Yep. I just thought he was the coolest. Yeah. The story of like he got experimented on and now he has these crazy powers. Did you watch a. Uh, did you watch the live action Street Fighter as a kid? I did. I did. It, I've w- never rewatched uh, it. Had you watched it in the recent not, times? Not in, not I wonder in like 10 how years. bad it really is. I know it's bad. So I, I built a, an emulator on a Raspberry Pi 
and I ran a Sega Saturn emulator and played the Street Fighter movie game. Oh, the, with the digitized like yeah. Mortal Kombat type yeah. graphics. And yeah. that game was shitty. So <laughs> if the movie is even close to as bad as the game, like because I reference it fondly all the time, right? Because you got Raul Julia's Bison. Yeah, you've got a wasn't it JCVD was Guile? Like it was. I, was want, I wanted to say Van Damme was Guile, but yeah. maybe not. I don't think it was. It wasn't Van Damme. It, I thought it was Jean Claude. No, it, no, I'm saying oh. it probably wasn't Van Damme. Okay. I, my, I don't trust my memory. That's fair. I, I thought it was, though, too. So maybe it, maybe we're having, like, a shared memory of something that wasn't real. But I, was, Or he looked like Van Damme. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I have these fond memories of it, but something tells me I, it won't hold up. But I haven't I remember it. being let down in their portrayal of Blanca because yeah. he was my favorite. I'm like, he's not cool at all in the movie. No, he was, he's like. so cheesy. He was cheesy. He was kind of weak. And I don't think they had the special effects to really pull him yeah. off. Um, what about uh now the opposite end? I loved the Street, the street Fighter Two anime. Yep, I still that. I still watch that at the gym sometimes. Oh, yeah, dude. it's it's so good. I remember. I think my favorite fight, well, one the like the stylized action. You didn't have access to anime as a kid, right? And so, and the anime has especially action scenes. I was talking about with Todd from Kuma Films, trying to trying to explain what is it about anime that the Western, the closest I've seen from a Western. Is the new, uh, I think it's called Alita or Attila. Alita Battle Angel. I loved yeah, that movie. that movie was dope. There were yeah. moments where I'm like, okay, this is, this has some of what I've always liked about anime that right. the West has never. And it's it's something about like the style and the timing and how yep. things pause and exaggerate. It yep. just, ah, well, what, there's nothing better. And that's actually why I like Street Fighter. So uh, I went to a GDC talk two to three years ago and it finally summed up what I love about it. Um, so they have an art book at Capcom. It's like a, they call it their Bible or whatever, but it's an art book from the '80s that shows how to draw fighting. And oh. so, like, they don't draw like if you look at the proportions of a Street Fighter character, they're not right. They're right? definitely not right. They have yeah. like big Popeye forearms because you want the point of impact to be big. So to f- exaggerate the depth and the hit exactly. Yeah. And I feel like anime does a lot of that too, right? Like yeah. they really focus on those hits. Um, and like drawing out the, like at least the older anime, like I just got done rewatching Rurouni Kenshin. And that was like, good. Oh, and the, now, they the live the... action of that Samurai X, Rurouni Kenshin. Is, I haven't uh, seen that. Used, there's three of them. It's a trilogy. Really? And it is the closest. They use wires, but it's not like uh, Crouching Tiger. Okay. They use wires like really subtly. Really? So okay. it's all realistic. And then he'll like slide back and slide forward. Sick. But it's not, you know, and then, you know, what's that? Also, what's the word for, we're trying to figure this out, Todd. When something in anime with the sword, when they slice through it really fast and then it pauses and then the, the person like, falls apart, like oh, delayed. Like the, like the follow through almost. Like the... Yeah, is there a word for that? Because it's all <sighs> over the place. I don't know what the word is, but I totally know what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, Everybody yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Street Fighter 2, the anime, that was... Oh my god. I dude. had access to Dragon Ball Z, which I would wake up on Sunday mornings, and Pokemon. Yeah. And that was it. And I've never seen Dragon Ball before. I've only seen Pokemon. It's pretty. It's it's, it's cool. But when I finally saw Street Fighter Two, it was like, oh, Dragon Ball sucks. Just see, because Dragon Ball is a TV show, like the production quality, the animation quality is way lower. Where Street Fighter Two was a movie, right? And I just re- I remember two fights. The fight with Sagat or Sagat, however you say it, in the, their depiction of like the grass when he gives him yeah, the uppercut, gets the scar. He gives him the scar. 
And then the fight with Vega and Chun Li yep. in the apartment was just that fight is insane. That she, was amazing. Oh, and her like finally like throwing the couch at him. Like, yes, just that shit. Was, she oh, I get the oh. chills. Yeah, and she like it's so good. Like the ending move is her putting him face first through the wall out of the but apartment. But she does the signature speed yeah. kick through the wall, and he falls out the skyscraper. Yeah. Just, yes. Yeah, dude, that fight, and especially that Guile shows up, and he's like, "I'm here to save you," and he's like, "You're no, late. I don't. You're need late, you. bro. Yeah, yeah. You're you're late." But she's pretty beat up, which makes Vega like you also scared of. Vega. Dude, he's a psycho in he's that He's a psycho. In, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, that was so good. So now we're in the SNES era. What is the next kind of... Did you get into Zelda? Is that how you got into JRPGs? Yeah, so I played a lot of Zelda. Uh, actually, Final Fantasy 3. Uh, the or the six, American 3, Japanese 6. Okay, yeah, yeah, sweet. sorry. Um, I think of the cartridge and see the 3, but... So that game... I remember going down... So, you know, back in the day, if you're under the age of, I don't know, like 25... There were these things called video stores. And so I remember we had Video Shark, which was walking distance-ish from my house. Video? Did you grow up in Utah? Uh-huh. I've never heard of Video Shark. Yeah, it was this one little shop in West Jordan where I grew up, and I would literally walk or ride my bike like the quarter mile to this little Video Shark, and I would rent a game, right? So I would get usually Zelda, Ocarina of, not Ocarina of Time, um... Link, Link to the, the Past. past. Yeah, Link yeah. to the Past, or I would get one of the Final Fantasies they had in stock, right? Um, so I think they had, I think Mystic Quest was on, no, it was a Mystic Game Boy Quest. One. I think it was a Game Boy Advance. No, no, Game Mystic, Game Boy, is it Mystic Quest? There is a SNES one that, uh, my brother talked about and it's not two and or it's three. Not, yeah, it's not two or I three. I think it is Mystic Quest Maybe that's or what, there's another sub name. Yeah, yeah. But I, so I would get that or I would get six and I played the hell out of that game. Finally got like the money to buy it. And I, I'm pretty sure I finished that game like 30 plus times in my lifetime. Wow. Um, going into like two years ago where I played. And you played again. six first. Did you go back and play the previous one? I have. So I don't think I've played two. I think that's five. And um, it yeah. was two when it came out. Yeah, yeah. But I think I've started five a bunch on like different ports, but like definitely finished four, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, okay. Well, 11, you don't finish. 11, but I played 11 yeah. for a while, 12. Um. So you did Link, Link to the Past. Which one did you like more, Link to the Past or Six? Uh, six for sure. Definitely but for I, sure. But I, I mean, I love Link to the Past. Like, yeah. I love the top-down 2D Zeldas. But like Six is probably my all-time favorite game. Like probably, in my opinion, the best game I've ever played. So those are really common. So I like to ask yeah. people is to see what people remember differently about it, what sticks out to them. Mm. What's your favorite memory or part of Link to the Past? And what's your favorite memory or part – that impacted you the most in six. Yeah. So Link to the Past, the memory I have the loudest and I, I loved is when you have to push the throne aside to get into the basement under the castle, like super early in the game, right? Like, yeah. like for whatever reason, as a kid, I just thought that was so cool that there was a secret passage behind the throne. Yeah. Like, I loved that. Um, for six, I loved Shadow. Shadow was the best character to Tom because he was a ninja and he, and had, he had a dog. dog. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was my thing. I always thing. loved ninjas, so yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like I play a little bit of Samurai Showdown, but just so I can play Genjiro, who has okay. Since you love ninjas, Galford, sorry, Galford, who has a dog, Galford. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Galford can. He's good. What's your favorite ninja depicted in video games? I'm hoping it's mine because I nerd out about ninjas. Or top three, if you have so. Mm, favorite ninja. Who's depicted. the dopest ninja? That's it's tough to say. Like, there's so many different ninjas. So I, I mean, obviously, I play Ibuki in Street Fighter Five. I have her tattooed on me. 
She, um, I love her art. I, I really like the. I really like Ibuki. Um, when I first saw Street Fighter Three, that was my favorite like character. Dude. That I was like, oh my yeah, gosh, she looks so dope. She's super fun on Third Strike. I don't like love. Is it is it Hanzo? So like is that guy, Samurai Showdown Hanzo? Yeah. So I like Hanzo. I think Hanzo from Samurai Showdown looks pretty dope. I don't love. Like I like the aesthetic of the guy from Ninja Gaiden. I guess is, is it Ryu? Ryu Hayabusa. Yeah. 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 But like I don't. He's pretty generic. Like he's not yeah. like a well-designed ninja. That's a tough question, man. I don't know. I'm thinking like I really like Ibuki. I like Guy in Street Fighter Four. I love Zeku, who's in Five. I think he's a dope ninja because he stands, which is oh no, dude, Strider, Strider Haru. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite. Okay, I was like, wait, wait, wait. Strider's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And I want, yeah, I wanted to ask you because you also, I guess, play around with uh, gaming dev. My yeah. idea, I've been trying to teach myself Unity, which is goddamn the hardest fucking thing it's, it's I have dude. ever tried in my life. Yep. The time it takes for me to like move one step forward and to understand something, it's been grueling. I'm not going to give up, but like the barrier to entry for learning mm-hmm. how to make music wasn't even one-tenth, yep. wasn't even one one-hundredth of how hard this has been. Well, and, and, and what I try to tell people, because when they ask about it, because like, I teach quite a bit of it, I project manage people teaching it, and they're like, why, why do you need so much content? It's like the entire Adobe Creative Suite lives inside of Unity. It's one app that contains all of that shit. And it's a lot. And you have to understand 3D modeling just enough to know why it's happening. Yeah. You have to know how to script. Like, it's... It's, it's hard. So my I, my idea is because I don't have interest. I love my favorite type of game is a Metroidvania, which I know Definitely. has been like blown up lately with indie games. I don't care. I'm buying all of them. I yep, want more. Yep. Keep them up. Yep. Um, so I've been trying to import the fighting sprites from Strider. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then and remap like so basically not do the exact same moves, but like turn those into like a walking motion and like a heavy combo and a like yeah yeah and turn them into like more of like a Symphony of the Night. Or maybe like you have an attack, like you have a, a heavy combo and a light combo, and you can mix between the two, and you can upgrade and make them longer. Mm-hmm. And I'm just taking different moves and then trying to get that to move around and build like a Symphony of the Night sort of thing, but all using a fighting game assets Okay, yeah, just yeah. to teach myself. Yeah. And then... Well, and especially, what, there's a lot of good sprite sheets out there you can grab from a lot all, of the old I've arcade machines. I have They're like beautiful. 40 gig of sprites. Yeah. I've found them all. But it's just to like import a sprite. Yep. Get like a standing motivation, like just to do the most simple things is taking me yep. so long. But my idea is like, if I could actually flesh this and build it all out, then I could actually draw on top. I could mm-hmm. use them as references. I could create new characters. I see people reskinning the same shit all the time yeah, online. Yeah. I'm like, look, I don't know how to do art, but maybe I could build this out and then pay an artist to come in and do art based on like, yep. here's your animation. You tweak it a little bit, maybe like I've already, and then I just have to swap sprites, everything that's already built. I have to swap assets. Um, yeah, that yeah. was my idea until I started actually trying to learn how to do it. Now I'm like, oh, this is like a decade project. It's it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it is, and like, it's one of those things too where the first time you do it, like the first time you take a sprite sheet and turn it into an animation, it'll take you an hour, hour and a half. You get faster at it. Yeah, and then yeah. like the fifth or sixth time you do it, it'll take you ten minutes. Because you'll be like, oh, I know where all the things yeah. are, and I'll click and drag and move the things. But yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a ton. And that's I mean, that's why there's literally specialization inside of it, right? Like, I am a programmer. I am great at code. I am dangerous when it comes to anything else. But I have people that I work with that are just lighting artists. All they do is yeah. make stuff look good with light. And I have people that all they do is create amazing-looking characters. Like, it's a very – it's a that tool – 
you can have someone who does everything, right? But a lot of times you're going to have 15 people that do just very specific functions because of how much time it can take. Like lighting a scene can take a long time. And that makes me even more impressed about there's a handful of games that have come out made by one person that have done pretty well. Axiom Verge was a single dude. That game is so good. And that's kind of what – and I know it took him seven years to do it. Right, but he did everything. 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 And it's just so good. It's so good. Iconoclast is a new one. I haven't tried that one yet. That's a a single guy. Hollow Knight is like a duo with some support staff. I really like Hollow Knight, That's one of the best. It's beautiful. So good. Dang. Yeah. Um, I've, anyway. bought, I've bought Hollow Knight three times. PlayStation, PC, and then Switch. Yeah, three yeah. times. Yep, I, yep. I, I got it on PC and Switch. A new one that I've been playing, I've never even... <laughs> you're going to laugh. So I know there's all these like weird anime girl Steam games and mm-hmm. like sex games. Mm-hmm. This isn't one of them. It's like a girl dating series called like Toho. T-O-H-O-U. Oh, I've heard about Toho, but I haven't played it. It's apparently they make like some other genre of game. Okay. But they made like one single Metroidvania as like an offshoot. Really? I guess to their universe. It's like a, she's like in a dream. It's like a like a comic book. Like we just need oh, an excuse. It Toho Gensai Wanderer or whatever? Or... Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's a really good Metroidvania. I don't know anything about try. Toho or anything, but it so... plays like an anime like beat-em-up. Okay. Act, like it's, it has the best like tight action it's not clunky. Like I played, yeah. I love Bloodstained. I just played all the way through yeah, Bloodstained. Yeah. But it's a kind of a floaty, slow. It's a little I don't clunky. know. It's a Toho's like a fighting game Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. So, I've know. heard I've heard good things about Toho. Speaking of Japanese dating sims, have you played <laughs> Doki Doki Literature Club? No, but do I've it. seen do it. I've seen that everywhere. Dude. People talk about it. Something about dating games. Dude, it's free. Okay. I'm telling you right now, it's not what you think. You, it's it's fucked up. You gotta play it. You gotta play it. It's hmm. two and a half hours, and it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those ones people always talk about on Reddit. I see on forums. Yeah. Another I, one is Steins Gate. People keep saying I've heard Steins Gate's really it's good. Like but one I of those visual novels. Like, yeah, never but, tried one but of those. This one, so like, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a dating sim mixed with a horror game. Yes. Yeah. So I do a yearly podcast with some homies where he uploads them once a year. I don't know even where he uploads them. Mm. But it's like this crew of five buddies that have all been gaming buddies forever, but we're all adults. But every year we get together and we talk about our top games for the year. And one year, one of the guys brought that game oh, up. okay. And okay. we were just clowning the shit out of him. He's like, no, I promise you. Yeah. He said the same thing. It's not what you think. Yep. So you're the second person that's recommended yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, And at the end of it, you're just like, the fuck? And it's... <laughs> They do stuff that games don't do, and I don't know how to say it without ruining it for you, but you have to actually edit game files in order to get to the ending of the game. It's it's really good, dude. So it's really meta, it seems like. Yeah, it's super meta. And like, I'm all right. It's, all right. It's that sick. Can, that it's, intrigues me. It's sick. It's, and it's, it's free, and apparently the rumor is it's a trailer for the game that this studio is actually going to make. Hmm. But that, I mean, the game's been out for two, three years, and I haven't seen anything from them yet, so... Anyway, Doki Doki's dope. Doki yeah. Doki. After you, so you played six in SNES. Yep. What else stands out for you, SNES times? And did you have a Genesis at all? I did not. Have, so my friend again, my friends had a Genesis. Okay. Um. So like Toe Jam and Earl, I played that. That Sonic oh, Sonic CD. Toe Jam and Earl. You're the first one to bring that up. So did you play one or two? Funkatron uh, or the first one? Is it top down view or side scroller? Do you remember? Down. It was top down. That's the first one. Okay. Yep. Yeah, a little bit better. Down. So we played that uh, Sonic Sonic and Knuckles. Oh man, those games were good. Um, believe it or not, the first time I played Mortal Kombat was on a Genesis. That's because it had blood. Had the blood code. Yes. Yep. A B B A C A B, right? Abacab, I think so. 
I don't. Oh, you did know. Was it SNES that had a code? No, no, I think no, you it, had to put a code for Genesis. Yeah, SNES had an option that you could just turn it off and on. It, okay, in the I thought settings. it was like sweat when they did in the SNES. It was I like so. red, white instead of yeah. But yeah, but but uh, yeah, it was Abacab on Genesis. I think got the blood. It was on. blood. I forgot about yeah. that. But yeah, that was because I had a Genesis growing up. I talked about it on the podcast already, but short story: I saved, I like saved my chore money for a year and a half. Yeah. Got a Genesis and uh, got Sonic Two, and I remember. Not a lot of people had Genesis. SNES was more. Yeah. And I was always like... And I think in hindsight, the SNES overall is a better console. I think overall. Sure. And I hated that because I would get... People would talk shit on me. And there were right. certain games on SNES. I was like, yeah, but I... I and I just remember holding on to the Mortal Kombat. Oh, well, yeah. Well, my version yep. of the game has blood. blood, you pussies. Yep. So enjoy that SNES because when you play this watered-down pussy shit. Yep. And I got... I got the, yeah. Got the, That's got the kind of made stuff. me feel good. Yeah, no, Mortal Kombat on Genesis was awesome. So, yeah, I didn't have a Genesis, but uh, but my favorite game on Genesis, just since we're on that rabbit hole, did you ever play the Double Dragon fighting game that was on Genesis? Double Dragon. And it had... It I had, did uh, Streets of Rage, but okay. not Double Dragon. So the Double Dragon fighter, it was 1v1, it had, you know, Billy, Oh, it was Jimmy. a 1v1 Double Dragon. Yeah, it was Dragon. like an actual fighting game. I did not know. I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah, and it had, um, was it Gobstopper? Or was it Jawbreaker? Jawbreaker, right? The guy with, like, the big tongue. But he had a command grab where he would eat them and spit them out. Oh, I love that game. There so was a good. 1v1 Double yeah, Dragon, double dragon game. Fighter. I think it was called like Double Dragon Fighters. Completely past yeah. my radar. So sick. what's one more thing that sticks out on Genesis since your friends had it? It's double Dragon Fighters was good. Sonic. like We played a t- we played Sonic and Knuckles so much because the cartridge and you put the cartridge on top, top of the cartridge. Yeah, yeah that was a big deal. Um I think those are really the big ones for me. I can't think of much else that we played. I didn't ever play any of the like cult classics now, right? Like Echo the Dolphin or uh, yeah. I think really the Sonics, the main ones. Golden Axe. My buddy had Golden. Wasn't Golden Axe on Genesis? One which game? Golden Axe. Yeah, Golden Axe. Yes. I think there's three Golden Axes. Dude, I love the yeah. Golden Axe. So like that. Played a lot of Golden Axe. Did you do any? Is there any in this early childhood any arcade or PC gaming that sticks out to you? Uh, PC gaming. So like my first PC game experience was actually Diablo. Um, okay, so much later. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have a PC until Diablo, and then like I went back and played like Quake, Heretic, Hexen. So you uh, back cataloged it yeah, all. Yeah, played like Doom. But yeah, I haven't. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of like arcade. Biggest arcade stuff was Street Fighter Two. Like there was a grocery store by my parents' house. Mom would go in there to shop, give me a dollar, and I would hang out and play Street Fighter Two Turbo. Until she was done. While she was shopping. Yeah, while she was shopping. Oh, you loved the grocery store. Dude, yeah, it was the best. (laughs) best. Like, I remember the day that machine went away, I was so sad. Like, I got there one day, and, like, the Street Fighter machine was gone. And I was like, I don't, what? What's what's the point of living? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that that would definitely be my arcade memories. That and, like, uh, the Simpsons arcade game, too. That's a good one. Dude, that was a, oh, I love that game. Nickelcade. Nickel, yeah, do you remember the X-Men beat-em-up arcade game? Yeah. That one. I remember, I think once I got to the Nickel Cato, maybe a little yeah. bit older than this, but I just like, I'm going to beat this. And yeah. I, you know, Nickel Cato, you bring in like 10 or something bucks. That's a lot of nickels. Yeah. And you're I just, good. and I went through a lot of nickels to beat that game. Cause those, those games were designed. It is, yep. There's not really like a way to get good and not die. Exactly. Those games were designed to eat your quarters. They were like designed to was, eat your quarters. Did but you, it doesn't matter. Have you been to, speaking of quarters, have you been to the Quarters Arcade Bar downtown? There's an arcade bar yeah, in Salt Lake so, now? Yeah, they opened about just just over a year ago. Um, do you remember where the Club Manhattan was on Fort? Yes, I know where Manhattan That's is. That's where they are now. So they bought Club Manhattan. That. They've got so they've got the X-Men beat 'em up. 
They've got Turtles in Time, the original. Ooh. They just dropped in a new Turtles. So there's like a turtle, a new Turtles arcade game that's four player. That is like it looks just like Turtles in Time with better graphics to me. Oh, that's the the remake. It was yeah. on 360, I think, as well. Yeah, so yeah, they've yeah. got the arcade version of that in there. They've got Street Fighter Two, all the MKs. Yeah, it's they have a ton of pinball. I didn't know Salt Lake had one. I've been to yeah. Denver has two called One Up, and there are yep. two locations. We have a yeah. I haven't been to the. I haven't been to one up. Sorry, go ahead. So I did, but I just didn't even know Salt Lake had. Yeah, I thought that was. Uh, I didn't know we were cool enough to have that. Yeah, so Quarters is independent, and they're super. Katie and Michael are way dope. That's I actually run a Street Fighter tournament there once a month. But then um, we also just got Round One in Southtown Mall as well, and they actually have like they have legit Japanese Vulex cabs for Street Fighter Four, Street Fighter Five, um, Melty Blood, a lot of the good fighting games. With the actual for five, you can get the um, the Nessica card. Ooh. So that actually tracks, like, you register your tag to it, it tracks your points. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. When I, I, have you visited Japan ever? I've never been. I uh, want to go real bad. One of the things that really st- was so fun about Japan, and I'm sure there was the same thing. I, I went there, one, the arcade wasn't dead. There was arcades yeah. everywhere. And, and they're and still was, alive today. And there's a lot of kids there. And there was, like, a third-person mech, kind of like... Oh, it was like a 3v3 or like a... Maybe it was 3v3. It was like you were in an arena. It was. It did. It played... It wasn't slow like Mech Warrior. It was like you could kind of like dash. It played a little mm-hmm. like Zone of the Enders. Yeah, yeah, maybe. yeah. But you were on the ground. You weren't flying. Or did you play a game on PS1 where you were, you were like these hover tanks, cyber tanks or something? It sounds familiar. Anyway, but they, they gave you a card. So you, yeah. you get a card. You register your name. And wherever you go, you pick – like even though you go to a different arcade, mm-hmm. you pick up where you left off. Yep. And everything – and I just like – I spent – I went with – a budget be like, oh, we're gonna get souvenirs. I'm doing stuff. I spent like ninety percent of my budget just playing this game. We like go travel. We have somewhere to break. I go find the arcade. Yep. I'd play a few games. I, dude, it was awesome. Yeah, and that's. I wish we had that here because that's that's still like, especially in fighting games, right? That's a big thing. Like it's becoming more westernized now, where people play on console. Like there's a couple really good pro players that played on console in their home and then moved in, but like. A lot of the greats, that's where they live. They go they go to Akihabara or wherever yeah. and they do they play. They practice in the arcades. And when you go to Japan and you roll into an arcade, literally from seven PM to eleven PM, there's thirty pros playing matches at the arcade. Because that's where they practice. That's yeah. where all the goods hang out. Which side barring back into fighting games is why Japan is so dominate dominant in a lot of them. And a lot of games, and it takes so much time for a lot of time for the U.S. and for Europe to catch up because they have that culture. And, like, random people in Japan are better than really good people in a lot of other countries um, yeah. because they just do I it. I believe that because there's, yeah. there's something about being there in person, the pressure, yep. and, and, like, you're playing good people. Uh, yep. They were so – I mean, that, that whatever game I was playing in Japan, I literally never killed anybody. I kept yeah. trying. Everyone was so good. And I was – brand. It, it was, and, and I, I would see, like, guys – because the – the, you would see like sometimes their stats. Mm-hmm. They put the card in and you see. And you, I was getting a sense of like how many levels there were and how many points a game. And I was realizing like, oh, this guy's put 10,000 hours yep. into this game. I mean, you, like, you look at them like, oh my geez. Yeah, like and they're so good. Yep. And, they, that's, and for them, like it's not like a life calling. It's just what they do to unwind after work sometimes yeah. or whatever. But they're still damn good at it. And Japan's the same way in almost everything. Like you go to a Japanese tournament and it's wild. Because you'll sit down against a guy you've never heard of, never seen before, and they are just doing the craziest good shit. Because 
they knock off after work every day for an hour or two. That's what they do. They seem to have a much more structured, Mm -hmm. scheduled lifestyle from what I could tell. I mean, I went there for a business trip, so I did interact with some natives, but I could see that. It's like, this is how my work, everything, then this is my time. I play the game, and I've been doing that for this many years, whatever. That adds up. You get really good. What other games on SNES stick out to you? Man, I got to think. Talked about Zelda, talked about Final Fantasy, talked about Street Fighter. No, yeah. Secret of Mana? Secret of Mana's good. Um, it was a Legend of Gaia? Legend of I think it was, it was, maybe it was a PS1. A, maybe it was Illusion of Gaia. Illusion of Gaia, yes. Maybe it was Illusion of Gaia, where you're like the big paladin and you're yes. running around. Yeah, it's Illusion of Gaia. So you were doing like those kind of action RPGs. There's another one, Secret of Evermore. Was this That's the one I'm thinking of, Secret of Evermore. With the dog? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That one's good. Evermore was dope. Um... Oh man, you're making me go back. I'm trying to think what games I owned, dude. So I don't know if this is like I was a kid, but the Animaniacs game. Did you ever play like the Animaniacs game or Buster Bust Loose? I did a Tiny Toons game, but I don't know about Animaniacs. It, they were just like these shitty, not shitty. They were just like these platformers, hmm. and I played the hell out of them. Any Animaniacs was cool. Yeah, it was I, a great show. I can imagine, yeah. And the game was pretty fun. I played that. Um, Act Razor, I really like, but I never played Act Razor as a kid. I played it like on an emulator later, like, like eight years ago. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, yeah. So I wouldn't consider that like a childhood memory. I just I like Act Razor. Um, oh, what are SNES games were we super huge into? Played I'm s- interested because you're not like you mentioned Final Fantasy Six yeah. and Zelda's pretty common. Yeah, but yeah. You haven't mentioned a lot of stuff that a lot of people have mentioned. So that's what I'm usually interested yeah. in is how people differ. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if there's anything else I'm like missing, but like those are kind of our mainstays. Mario World, of course. Like I beat Mario World a hundred times. Mario All Stars. I loved Mario All Stars because Mario Three was on it, and that was my Mario Two and Three were my favorite Mario's. Mario RPG. Yeah, that's a good one, dude. That, Not a lot of people have talked about that. I think that's that's yeah, it's a bunch so of those. So you didn't. A lot of people bring up Donkey Kong. Okay, Donkey Kong Country. Okay. That's a miss. I should have brought... I, okay. I, I played the hell out of those games. Yeah, was, yeah. I remember being just... The graphics on that game... Right. Blew me away. I couldn't believe it was real. And, yeah. And finding the DK coins was, like, a quest for me as a kid. Yeah. Like, that was one of the... That's probably the first game I ever completed, like, completely completed, and wanted to 100%. Did you do the second one and the third one? I did the second. I didn't actually... I didn't play the third. Okay. Um, I remember playing a little bit with a friend and thinking it was weird. And yeah, there's like, like a not... big baby, yeah, and a girl with blonde hair. Yeah, it was the characters. Were... But I remember the overworld on that one. What I liked about Donkey Kong Country is you had like this overworld that had secrets itself, and yeah. then the levels had secrets. The Tropical Freeze, I think, on the Wii, Switch uh, or Wii U. Yeah, they just ported that from Wii, right? It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah, okay. I'll have to check it out. It's hard. The and problem the other... is, sorry, the problem I have is that Nintendo, even though they're like porting these games from old consoles. They're still real proud. Like they're like, yeah, this game's sixty bucks, and it's a port. And I'm like, it's hard. The it's thing h- is, we pay it. I know. That's I know. why they do it. But I haven't paid it on that one. Yeah. Like, there's if you, a couple hey, of if them. you're holding, if you're, yeah. if you're talking shit and like, no, I'm not buying this game for that, then I respect it. But but at the same time, if they were like, hey, by the way, we just ported Final Fantasy VI to the Switch, I would give them sixty dollars for that. So I I can't get on a high horse. They haven't. What did I get recently? That was they. It is always a little. Like some of the stuff on Steam, like the PS1s that they ported, I mean, they, they were like 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. It was kind of like, mm. Especially on Steam, because you know if you just wait for a summer sale. And they're lazy ports. Yeah. Well, Final Fantasy IX was decent. 
The okay. port on that one is decent because it comes with a lot of quality of life improvements. Mm. You can quick save, save oh, state, and load nice. anytime. And then you can also uh, there's like a speed multiplier multiplier. Oh, so you can move. Quicker. So you can That's like nice. grind through battles and like cutscenes. Like if you die and you have to like go through something again, you can just blaze through it and hit X. Like there's some really good quality of life improvements, which on Zodiac Age for Final Fantasy twelve on Steam is the best so far in my opinion. Yeah. PC port of one of the older Final Fantasies. I've been playing the remaster on PS4, and I would agree with you there. Yeah, like, it's amazing. It's, yeah, so solid. Yeah, because they have the speed thing as well. You have the ability, which I realized, because you have like the sphere grid, and then you also have like the skill grid, Yeah, where you have to unlock just to use something, mm-hmm. unlock the ability to use this new sword that even though you bought it, you yeah. have it, you can't use it. And I always felt, that mechanic always felt like, this is leveling up with just an extra layer that with really no reason. Right. Instead of experience, you're just making me grind money. Like yeah, it's, it's yeah. like I'm grind now. I have to gr- like have two currencies for the thing that used to be one currency. Mm-hmm. Well, the Zodiac Age, you could just get unlimited whatever it is to unlock the skills. So I I did that because you straight nines. I just went through and unlocked everything. So then when I played the game, as soon as I got like a new item, I could use it immediately. And oh, it, see, that's nice. And that was like that and the speed multiplier. And that's a really good game. I'm sure we'll get to it. Yeah, but... it's solid. I'm still not done with it, but it's solid. Yeah. It's long. To do all the hunts in that oh game my gosh, yeah. is a commitment, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. All right. So from SNES, what was your next console? Uh, N64. 64. Yeah. So you didn't get a PS1. Uh, I did later. So I bought – that was the first console I bought with my own money was a PS1. Okay. So you're still okay to get a 64. Yep. What was the first game you got? Was it around launch time or had it been some It had games? been out for a minute. So I want to say it was either Mario 64. No, it was Mario Kart. It was Kart. Yeah. A lot of people say that's the best Mario Kart to this day. Yeah, I don't – I like the Switch one. The Switch remake is fine. I don't – I'm not like a Mario Kart purist or enthusiast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I don't know that Mario Kart's done anything new since Mario Kart 64. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just – they just have a really good formula yeah, and you play your Mario Racer. It. Yeah, yeah. But um, I like – I think Kart was the first one I got. I can tell you right now that I am a Castlevania 64 apologist and <gasps> I love that game. I've beaten it like a hundred times. I just – it was so good because I, mm. I just loved it as a kid. Mm. I loved it. I love that you say that. Yeah. I also, there's like three Castlevanias on 64, I believe. There's I, 64 and then there's one where you play a mage. Yep, and you can be a werewolf. Yeah. Yep. And then I think there was a third one. I never played the third. I think there was two. Sometimes they get the ones on PS2 conflated. But uh, I, yeah. li- I played through both of those on 64. Yep. And as a kid... I didn't think they were amazing, but you only had so many games. It was Castlevania's Gothic. I thought it was cool. Yeah. When I go back and try to play them on emulator, they're god awful. See, and I haven't. I haven't gone back. They're so bad. I haven't done that. <laughs> I haven't, and I, I. I'm afraid to, to be honest, because I still have really, really fond. They're memories as bad as game. everyone says. Damn it will it. ruin your memories. Damn it. I mean, it's not really that. But like, my memories are still fond because. Sure. But yeah, you're the first person that's brought up Castlevania. Like that's the on first. On sixty four. To for me, that was the first time I fought a boss. And the boss did the transition into level two boss. Yeah. And then I think he transitions again, to right? To level three. Because he turns into the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oof. And like that hallway where you had to carry the – so you had to get the Mandrake Root and the wow. TNT, I think, and combine them at a door to blow the door open. And you had to walk with the TNT and there were 
fire things. Ah, you're wall. kind of jogging my memory. Yeah. I do think I remember that. I remember that was the most frustrating yet rewarding thing I've ever done in a game at that age, right? Because I'm like, I have to just quietly walk down this hall and not get hit by fire. And it was, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I have really fond memories of Castlevania 64. Whether or not it's good. <laughs> so <laughs> what, uh, what else sticks out on 64? Um, Do you ever play Quest 64? Yeah. I liked that a lot. Um, I don't know why I just liked it as a kid. Um, Mario 64, obviously, like that was like the first 3D Mario, right? And so that everyone... blew everyone. That, that was a yeah. game changer when I saw it. I like, what? Yeah. Said, I didn't even know this was possible. I remember being really impressed with the opening screen where you could pull his face. You could like yeah. grab his nose and it move his face. It was such a big deal. It was a huge deal. Yeah. And like the jumping into paintings was a cool effect. Yeah. Um, so I, I and like the castle felt like a real castle of secrets and yeah. like hidden passageways. Yeah, I really liked that. I'm trying to think of other 64 stuff too that we really played a lot. Star Fox 64. That was a good one. We played the tank was cool. Yeah, and so much past the controller, right? Like, and yeah, there was only one rumble pack. Only one person had a rumble pack, right? So. Whoever was the best got to keep the got to keep the rumble pack. pack. Yeah, did you guys do the four v four or the four dog fighting? Yep. multiplayer. That was pretty fun. Constantly, yeah. Um, Smash Brothers, of course. Do you play Smash a lot now? I don't. Not? I actually don't like it. Um, That's the one fighting game I actually spend more than casual time playing. And I, I, I can see where it is where people love it and get it, but it just does not work for my brain at all. It's too. It's a completely different formula to yeah, it's traditional totally fighting different. games. Yeah, and I and I, I there's a skill there, and I just don't know that I'll ever master the skill that exists there. The guy, the people who are good at Smash, it's the same thing. I played a ton of Smash, not the '64 one. I have some friends that got really good at the '64. That was like their core group of yeah, friends. That's yeah. what they did. And but the I sold alarms door to door with a kid who was really good at Smash. Was it melee? And so the whole the what? Were they playing Melee on the Cube, or were they... It was the Wii version, okay, okay, whatever yeah. the Wii version is. So I know the Cube is considered, like, the a lot of people, like, that's right. the best one, for especially for competition. But I got really good at the Wii one, and I went to a tournament at UVU, and me and my friend took the team battle. We won, but I did, like, pretty bad. I think I got, like, sixth or seventh on just as where i ranked single yeah and uh those like and then i kind of watch people who play smash i follow that competitive scene just a little bit more they they, people seem to blog about that a lot like yeah i just run across smash stuff more often and it's the same thing i and i watch people play and i realize dude yeah people have gotten so good at smash Mm mm-hmm and that seems to be there seems to be money in that too. There is and I would say that there's a big like Smash pulls people. It's crazy. So an example in Utah locally like we used to do a lot of tournaments at the University of Utah. Um and so we would generally partner up with the Smash community, right? Like hey, you're running an event, we're going to run fighting games and we show yeah. up. And you know, there would be 25 to 30 entries for Street Fighter and there's 150 people playing Smash. So it's definitely yeah. So like I've definitely had the thought of like if I want to make some money locally as a competitive gamer, I should probably pick up Smash. Just do Smash. Because I could probably like if there's 150 entries at a tournament at 5 bucks a pop, that means it's the prize pool. Yeah. That's 500 bucks in a prize pool for a local. Like that's first place makes 200 bucks? Yeah. Damn, man, that's yeah. so. I'm like, man, maybe I should like try to get decent at this game. <laughs> but every time I pick it up, it's the same feeling. I'm just like, you know, it just doesn't. It's feel, a whole new. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't feel good. Like when I play Street Fighter, it feels good, and so I think it's just a different preference, right? So, so a little bit of Smash on 64. Yeah, definitely. Anything? Did you? 
if you got it a little bit late and you were a fan of Final Fantasy VI and a lot of like action RPGs that came out on the SNES, weren't you looking at the PS1 going like, what's this Final Fantasy VII thing going on over oh, here? Oh, definitely. And that was, that was what motivated me to buy it with my own money later on, right? Okay. So then I played seven, eight, nine. Um, I bought a PlayStation 2 to play Final Fantasy X. Um, like those were definitely my jam. So you got into what I consider probably the last of the glory days of Final Fantasy, of Final Fantasy which is seven, eight, nine. I think ten and twelve and eleven are decent, but I think seven, eight, I think six, seven, eight, and nine to yeah. me is like the golden era of Final Fantasy. I would agree. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, like I thought fifteen was really good. Like I actually think fifteen <sighs> was a solid game. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, I, how? How? There was there was a lot of good there. I liked the combat system. I the liked, combat system is awesome. I loved the open world. I loved that I could get lost just wandering and doing stuff. The one, I mean, I have critiques, right? Like, I felt like as soon as you board the train, the pacing of the game quadrupled. Like, suddenly, like, I feel it like... It was I, completely different. Like, you yeah. get on a train, and suddenly you're at the end of the game, and I was like, what the hell? Yes. But, but I really I enjoyed fifteen way way more than I've enjoyed a modern Final Fantasy in a long time. We were so um, we I have a really good friend John Jimenez on last night, and he's a huge Final Fantasy leader. And we've so it depends on how I guess how close did you follow the marketing and the hype when it was originally Final Fantasy versus thirteen. Mm. Nova Chrysalis and there was Final Fantasy Agito and Final Fantasy 13 and they were all supposed to come together and then a lot of the pre-marketing stuff so I, I'm going to probably butcher this from what I remember reading about the, the game scope was completely different it had this development yeah. hell cycle they brought in a new director and he kind of put some pieces together took it a whole new direction because now it's not part of the shared universe right and you, there's an article that chronicles something I believe either on What's it called? It's the video game forum, NeoGAF. Okay. Someone on NeoGAF posted something, and it was like an internal document about like what they were originally going for. And when I played that, when I read that after beating 15, I went from like thinking it was okay to being sad. Mm. Because I could see like the remnants of what was really they were going for. And a lot of the things that I hated about 15, how the, like, the story felt like half baked and kind of like jumbled. I know I know they fleshed it out with episode Ignis and See, and I didn't even play those, and then but I would agree. I heard episode Arden is really good. Okay. And I when I actually went back and read about and understood what Arden's story was, I'm like he's probably the coolest villain maybe next to Sephiroth. But I didn't understand like the this I don't know how to explain. maybe I'm dumb, but when I played it I was really confused. It was like this World that was kind of fleshed out, but nothing made sense. Like, why is he marrying this girl? Why is that important? Like, yeah. What? Like, I, I, I would agree that the story was shallow. And for me, I think it was more like the world exploration and the combat that kept me engaged kept you, and yeah. less of the story. Because, like, I mean, even at the ending, I was like, so... I guess it's not... We're not in spoiler world anymore. The game's been out yeah. for years. But it's like, so are they both dead and they're together in death? Or are or, they just like super awesome king and queen that are being memorialized 150 yeah. years later? Like, I I legit to this day, I'm like, I'm not sure if they died or not. I think they did, but there was some time travel, so maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so that I'll give you. Like, I wasn't too, totally sold on the uh, the world. But there, you like but, it. I, yeah, I just... But I enjoyed, I enjoyed playing the game. But I'm also like... At this point in my life, I'm hella low-hanging fruit. Like, I barely pay attention to hype on games. I don't read a lot of the news. Yeah. Unless it's fighting games. So, like, if a game comes out, I'm like, that looks interesting, and I play it. 
it's almost like movies for me. Like it has to meet a base demand for me to enjoy. And you're down with it, and yeah. I'm good because yeah, I yeah. love I love shitty movies, and I'm the first to like people are like you have bad taste in movies. I'm like yeah, probably. What's your favorite like movie that's so shitty that it's good? Oh man, it's a tough call. I really like Teeth. <laughs> I've seen I've, that. Yeah, I've Vagina Dentata. I think that movie's pretty great. Um, I mean, and for those who know, Teeth is about a vagina that bites dicks off. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. This it's, girl, it's a she it's has a rare case movie. of Vagina Dentata. <laughs> I'm trying to think what other like movies that I love that are like just shitty that I just. I mean, the Mortal Kombat movies. I yeah. love those movies. Did you watch the YouTube like kind of mini series? Those were pretty good. Did you watch the Street Fighter one they just did too? Is there a recent Street Fighter yeah, one? Yeah, it's like two years old. Two and uh, maybe it's, I missed that one. It's called Street Fighter something fist. I saw one that's like Chronicles Ryu and Ken. That's and, that, and that's of the Akuma. one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen one. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I it's love It's pretty that. good. Um, other movies I love that people hate. Because we're talking about good. ninjas. I, there's yeah, a movie yeah, yeah. called Ninja Assassin. Oh, my God, that movie's so good. That is so terrible. Where he's got the chain with the, the blade chain on the and, end. That yeah, movie's that, sick. And it's like, it's so bad, but it's so good. Yeah, yep. I loved. I was when I saw that movie in theaters. It was an empty movie theater. Me and my friend smoked a little weed, and we were howling, laughing. Yeah, because there's an opening scene in that game. It's like this cheesy like yakuza, and they're yep. like, guys getting a tattoo, and he's making fun of an old man for being old, and he's telling this like the story of this like evil ninja or whatever mm-hmm. and then the guy's just like talking straight at the camera and the sickle goes through him yeah and then does that same effect you were talking about yeah it like slices and then it slides yep. right off and you can see his skull his teeth and his tongue and the yep. mouth's all like rendered cg's kind of bad but yeah and i just from that point i'm like i'm in yeah i'm movie, in yeah i yeah. love like campy even if they don't know they're being campy like there's a level for me to really it has to be really awful for me not to dig it. So, like, yeah, I loved, I loved Ninja Assassin. <sighs> but what, yeah, if you could, The Goat, the worst movie that's awesome for you. Oh, my God. You're asking me such hard questions. Uh, I mean, like, oh, no, Evil Dead's not bad, though. Evil Dead's amazing. God, I love Evil Dead. Worst movie. I guess Bill and Ted doesn't qualify either because it's like a cult classic. Doesn't have to be a cult classic. Oh my god, no! What am I thinking? The movie's called The FP. The, what? It's called The FP. It's an independent film. Ooh, tell me. It is okay. First of all, warning: it's not woke at all. There are <laughs> white people saying things they should not be saying. But this movie was made a long time ago. It's um. So the whole premise of the movie is that you're in post-apocalyptic Denver, and gangs fight for street territory by playing Beat Beat Revolution, which is just dance dance. What it is fucking legit? The movie is so good, like it is so bad. It is good. That's so, a really weird yeah. kind of obviously campy on purpose. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And like it's it's got so many good quotable lines. It's the acting is atrocious. The writing is god awful, and you're just in tears the entire movie because it's so it's out so there. bad. Yeah, I'm gonna have like, to check that out. Yeah, that sounds really it's called weird. the FP. It stands for Fraser Park. And they all live in Fraser Park. And, <laughs> and the whole premise is this dude. There's Beatro and Jatro. So Beatro is the older brother of Jatro. And they're the leader of, I think, the 815 gang. And so they're going to battle this other rival gang. And he tries to play on ultra, uh, Omega Gangster mode. And they're battling, and he gets tired, and he dies while playing DDR. He gets 187. So Jatro <laughs> leaves the gang to become a lumberjack. 
and then just as years later they come back to get him because Fraser Park has fallen into disrepair and nobody can get liquor because the other gang owns Don's Liquor Mart and so they won't give liquor to anyone they don't like. <laughs> so he comes back to join the gang to beat the other gang. So they can get booze. To, to, so they can get booze and restore order to Fraser Park. It's it's just wonderful. I like it. It's the worst movie and I love it. Yeah, that's the one. F the FP. And the FP2 is supposed to be in production. So, Ping. The FP. I'm going to remember that. Yep. So um, on 64, is there one more that sticks out? Because then we're going to go to PS1, and I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about Final Fantasies. And- I'm trying to think. I, I think like PS4 or N64 is probably my least notable console. Um, I mean, we played, obviously, GoldenEye 007. Yeah. Um, it's a big one. Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark. Um, I can never play the Donkey Kong game for it because I didn't have an expansion pack. Yeah. that that. But didn't yep. it come with it if you bought it? Yeah. If you rented it, you didn't get it, I think. Yeah, and it was like 30 more dollars. And for whatever reason, it, as a kid, that made it outlandishly expensive for yeah. me, right? Like, I wasn't going to get that game. So I never played the DK. So I think it was really, I think GoldenEye, right? Like, everyone, everybody played GoldenEye into the ground, right? That game was yeah. legendary. All right, so you get a PS1 for yep. Final Fantasy VII. So I bought it because of the RPGs. I couldn't afford a game when I bought it. So I played the demo disc for like six months. <gasps> I'm glad you brought that up. There yeah. was two demo discs. I had the same thing. When I got it initially, I got, I got it for Christmas, and I got one game and yep. the demo disc, which meant I played a lot of the demo disc. Yep. What game stuck out to you on the demo disc? Crash. Crash Bandicoot. I played that first level of Crash Bandicoot like 100 times. So many times. And was it? I think there's two. Did your demo disc have Jumping Flash on it? No. Yeah, I so we so. had a different yeah. demo disc. It also it had Crash, and it had Siphon Filter. Yeah, that was the newer demo okay. disc. Yeah. I had the launch demo disc had Battlerina Toshiden. Okay. The yeah. first one, yep. which was the first game I saw. I saw it at, I saw it running at Blockbuster. I didn't yeah. I I had I was kind of I had a Genesis and I think I started getting EGM or something before mm-hmm. EGM. My parents would let me like go to the gas station and get a magazine. Yeah. I had knew like there was something coming, but I didn't know it was out and I saw Battlerina Toshiden. And I just told my parents, like, I need to get this. And when that launched, they were way too much money. Yeah. Like, $600? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no way. Yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. But I ended up, I think, getting it a year later at the price I dropped the next, like, Christmas yeah. time. And the demo disc had Jumping Flash, Battling a Toshiden, like a, a, like a tech demo where there was a well floating. But yeah. you could move the camera around. And it had yep. really cool background music. And then later, that demo disc came out. And I remember a friend had it. And I was thinking, this demo disc is way better. Because the yeah. Siphon Filter, which was a huge yeah. game back then. Siphon Filter was huge, yeah. Crash Bandicoot. What else was on that disc? <sighs> Man, that whale demo. There's like amazing articles about that whale demo. You should go read. Like Which how game? The whale demo that you talk about? Yeah. Like the floating one? Yeah, that so was... that demo, they did a similar demo for PS2. It was the rubber duck floating. Oh, and like, yes. There's like, I can't, I can't remember if it was Kotaku or Gama Sutra, but they're like, the engineers wrote this thing talking about how they were up till four o'clock in the morning the night before they were supposed to ship, making sure that this floating duck demo worked for E3. And then like the game got canceled. It never shipped. Like they just made this tech demo that they were up <laughs> all night working on. Um, I only remember Siphon Filter and Crash. What the hell else was on that thing? There had to have been other. I mean, there's like six games. There right? was more. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. those That's are right. ones I remember. What? Uh, so, what was the first game you got? Was it Seven? No. So I borrowed Star Ocean from a buddy <gasps> and played. You're the first one to bring that game yeah, up. Yeah, I'm getting first. Yeah, that so game I, is Star Ocean was sick. That's a core RPG. That's yeah. Like a lot of people played Seven. Seven got people into RPGs yeah. that weren't into RPGs. A lot of RPG nerds like myself were waiting anxiously. I had it pre-ordered, but Star Ocean. I don't remember if I played it after, but that game. 
the crafting and the food system was so deep yep. and confusing. The story was really it had of like a lot of uh, symbolism and sort of themes that were kind of over my head. Yeah, but I agreed. could tell that it was not just like I could tell it was a they, they were going over my head. Yeah, yeah, and it gave me the sense of mystery of like what are they trying to say mm-hmm. that game? What do you remember about that game? I just remember being in space, and it was like my first exposure to like a cyberpunk type stuff right yeah. where they're like they're rocking like swords but they've got big fucking moon boots on and there's yeah. a spaceship for some reason um that's all i can remember about that game and the main character but i feel like when i think of star ocean like even though i played the super uh, the playstation one first my brain always jumps to the ps2 one for some reason okay um but that's that's all Which I, I didn't like that one but yeah I, I don't know that star ocean's been very good in the last they kind of blow. But yeah. yeah, they've they lost their way. But anyway, so you got Star Ocean first. So I got I borrowed Star Ocean first. Oh, you borrowed played, it. Yeah, I borrowed it from a buddy. I think. Do you the, remember if you beat it? I don't. I don't think I did. Okay. I'm pretty sure I didn't beat it. So what else did we buy? We bought Star Ocean. I think no, we borrowed that, and then I eventually I ended up buying. I don't think I think I bought Final Fantasy VIII. It was the first one I bought. Oh, so seven had already come out. Yeah, we had played because I got the I, my first PlayStation was a slim PS one, so I was so it had been out for late. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so I borrowed seven from a friend because they they always had all the new games, so I would just borrow them. So you played seven before played, eight. Played no, I played eight first. You played and eight. Then first. I went back and played seven. Okay, so out of those two, those everyone brings these up if they yeah, have yeah. a PS one. What sticks out to most? Like, what's this loudest moment of eight that sticks out to you? Um, I can't remember. I should remember because I played it again two years ago. But it's when you, you the gardens are moving. Yes. And you crash the garden, and it comes, like, screaming across the water. And then you have to run across in the background. Yeah. They mix the FMV with the model. Yeah. And everyone's fighting in the background, and yeah, yes. It was so, like... Blew your mind. Yeah, and so for me, when people are like, Final Fantasy is the best, I actually think eight's better because Woo-hoo! it looked better as a kid, right? Yes. Like, and I was like, I could never get a read on, like, the age Cloud was playing seven because his model changed depending on the scene. Yes. And eight, to me, was like, this game is crisp. It is beautiful. Beautiful. The cutscenes are gorgeous. I thought that evil empress was just wonderful. Yes. The fact that she was Sid's wife was incredible. Like, yeah. Oh, that game. Yeah, I love eight. That eight game was, was awesome. Dope. You brought up a lot of things that I've said on a couple episodes already. Is that for me? I thought the art visually eight was cooler yeah. because the models were the same in the world map as in the battle. Yeah. Where seven battle like world map, you were like these chibi characters, yep. like blocky, and in the battles. Like, hey, you look cool on the battle screen. Why can't you look cool yeah. on the world map? And um, and I'm sure it was like had to do with like saving space for disc. Yes, or, yeah, well, yeah. But I'm, still, like, I'm sure it's technical stuff. But yeah, I also think eight is better than seven, and I get a lot of shit for that, which I'm sure you get shit for mm-hmm. too when you bring it up. Now, that being said, I didn't love eight the first time I played it. Agreed. Because I didn't the junctioning system with drawing spells and attaching mm-hmm. them to stats. I didn't quite get it, and I got pretty far into the game to the point where you get the Ragnarok, the red ship. Yep. And I didn't, I hadn't drawn spells, and I hadn't, and I, I think it also affects what you get when you level up based on what well, you have and junctioned. The monsters you fight don't level up; they level up based on your character's levels. Yes. So, like, if you were grinding, which I was used which to I doing. Did. Yes. It just made the game way fucking hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got to the point. What happened? I couldn't beat anything. Yeah. Even yep. though I was at a high level, I'm like, the game's broken. Like, I cannot mm-hmm. beat this boss. And I've grinded. I can't get any more levels up. I have the best everything. 
and I'm stuck. But then I went back and played it in high school, and it, I'm like, oh, this is better than seven. Yeah. Once I figured it out, and I was a little bit older. I thought the story in some ways was better. I I hated though. I did hate. I don't know if you remember this in the story. They're they're setting up this thing with the sorceress chick who's mm-hmm. actually being controlled by a sorceress from the future. Yeah, time yeah, travel. Yeah. And all of the party members actually were in an orphanage together when they were kids, yeah, but they was, somehow all forgot. That was that weird pissed as hell. me off. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, Other than that, it was awesome. Yeah, and I I would agree too on the the thing that clicked for me was when I realized that you just had to max out all your GFs and have every GF. And you had to have 99 of the spells. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And then like the game became the game playable, easy. but like yeah. they should have – and I feel like also as a kid I just mashed through all the tutorials that probably taught me that. And I was like, nah, I just want I just want gameplay, right? Like, yeah. story. But yeah, dude, eight. So you played eight, eight first. Nine. And, and then seven. you played seven second? I think so, yeah. And then nine. What sticks out to you about seven? A uh, couple things. The rocket ship thing, where, like, you go to that little town and there's, like, the rocket. Yes, and Sid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Um, Eris death, obviously. Like, that's a huge scene. Yeah. Um, I really like that weird scene or like weird level where you're in like the amusement park. Golden Saucer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was the strangest. Like it had – I don't feel like it really did anything for the story, but it was just really dope and really fun to go. You could snowboard. You could chocobo race. Yeah. Yeah, I liked Golden Saucer. Those are probably the three things that I really dug. Um, Oh, yeah. And then it was was eight that you had the weird bigs and wedge stories, right, where you'd you'd go back and like you would play as – Laguna. Yeah, it's Laguna. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Who I yeah, okay. So that's that wasn't a seven thing. Pretty much that. Seven I don't know, man. A lot of people that's a massive moment. Yeah. Massive moment for and it was for me because I got it launch and uh, I had it pre ordered. I remember yeah. we my, my parents didn't want to take me to go get it from GameStop or ba- I think it was Babbage's at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. At on the day and I begged them and I broke down to tears and Gil's like, I had this pre order, I've been waiting so long and and then I had the uh, – I think I mentioned this on another podcast, but I I was raised like really, really hardcore Mormon. Yeah, yeah, same. And I had scratches on my disc. And I remember I got to – there's a point in that game where I think the airship lands on the big cannon yep. city that has the cannon. Yeah. There's a certain cut scene that I couldn't get past. I was stuck. And I remember – Praying and praying to God. I'm like a little kid, yeah. maybe like 10, 11, like, I don't please. know, 13 maybe. It's like, I'll do anything. I'll be super Mormon. I won't masturbate. Like, <laughs> I just need to get, just make it work. Needless to say, my prayers were never answered. Yeah, nope. I had to go buy another version of the game to get past it. So I ended up buying that game twice Damn. to actually beat it. Disc, scratch disc was a problem. Dude, that was hell. That was a, you could, oh. you could get fucked cityed over. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> And you would try like the they had like disc cleaners. I would yeah. try everything and nothing. If it was bad enough, you were, yeah. you were screwed. And those disc cleaners, more often than not, just fucked your disc up more. <laughs> Mine oh, would make it worse was, sometimes. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, seven was it was a game, but like eight, nine. Oh. What do you remember about nine? Because nine so, doesn't get as much love as I think it should. I, I so I love Vivi as a character. Yes, that black mage is my boy, um, and one of the most sort of human sad yeah. character arcs and like the whole thing how he's like you see the black mages that are being manufactured that are like it's like being... what am i and yeah. yeah it felt like that is what it's like to be a human what are we doing here yeah. you had these moments like what the fuck is reality what am i doing and he's going through that same yep that same arc yeah so i liked him i liked garnet a lot i loved steiner i thought he was the most hilarious like 
like Boy Scout dummy motherfucker. Kind of dumb. Um, yeah. Almost like a. It was almost like a. a they were making fun of dumb Americans. Yeah, a in a bit, way, yeah. like a Homer Simpson type. Loyal, but he's just a dumb idiot. And he just followed rules because he was told they were rules. He didn't yes. put much thought Never into thought it. Never thought for himself. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked him. Um, oh, what is her name? I think she's from Nine. She's got the spear. The dragon uh, Frida? Chick. Is it Frida? Frida. Frida. Yeah, yeah. Frida. yeah. I Freya, maybe? Freya. It's Freya. Freya, right. yeah. I liked her. Like I just, I love the character diversity. I thought the worlds were pretty. Um, I just remember loving that game. And even though, like, again, I went back and played this again two years ago, story makes fuck all sense like, <laughs> like the final boss is like just some entity that's just really pissed off or something and I was like I don't I do remember like Zidane sacrifices himself yeah and I remember that and then he's actually alive and he comes back and I remember or maybe I'm thinking of 10 no it's 9 no cause it's 10 nine. is the one where he just like he vanishes disappears and it because was just... he's not real he's like a yeah. memory or some shit yeah and then you, <laughs> yeah, that, and then you play, try to play 10 too and I'm like now nah, fuck this game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do 10 too Ooh. so 9 alright now let's go into. Did you play a lot of other JRPGs on PS One? Uh, aside from Xenogears, we played Xenogears. <gasps> Xenogears. That's another one I, was, I wanted you to. I was hoping you'd bring up because, like you said, with Final Fantasy Fifteen, once you get on the train, yeah, the fourth disc of Xenogears is like, and among cult people who love Xenogears, it's like you. It goes from this, arguably, I think my favorite JRPG, the yeah. second favorite JRPG on PS One, to like it's just texts. And cutscenes, and then bosses, and then the yeah. game ends. Like, there's no gameplay. Yeah. But the story and the scope of I don't know how much you remember. Have you played it recently? It, no, it's been years. Like, I played it, I mean, I, I would have been like 10, 11 years old, probably, maybe. Yeah. The concepts of that game were like kind of highbrow sci-fi concepts you still see being played out in Hollywood movies today. But um, what I remember, there's a, like a, a seed ship. Like, humans go to, like, seed another planet. The ship crashes and there's an AI, and it ships. It crashes on the wrong planet, and it goes wrong. It's kind of like if you play Horizon, mm-hmm. the idea they reseed the planet after well, they're reseeding yeah. this new planet. I think you and then they build like an ancient civilization, and you're basically fighting against this AI that's God. It's controlling everything, but it was programmed to control everything to prevent another disaster. Oh, like okay. We're gonna go see. It was, we're, we'll never let you basically get to the point where you can destroy your new planet. Gotcha. And it's like the idea of like what's, how much control is good and how much freedom should we have. And as a kid that really blew my mind to try to bring my, wrap my head around some of those ideas. And the gameplay is awesome. You fight giant mechs against giant mechs. I mean, what else? And it had a really, like the, the characters were 2D, but you had a 3D isometric plane and you could rotate the camera. Which was cool. I Breath of Fire three and four did the same oh thing. My God, I love Breath Those of Fire games. three and four. And we should mention them on SNES and NES. Breath of Fire. I played. I you did play Breath of Fire. I did. Yeah, so you yeah, did yeah, some yeah. JRPGs besides yeah. six on the SNES. Yeah. No, I definitely yeah. played Breath of Fire. They're a, good. A bunch. And three. I actually three. I didn't play on PS one. I played it and four. I played them emulated on my Vita. Or oh, my nice. Vita, my PSP. Years They're both ago. really good. What I Super loved good. about three was kind of a similar concept. The story was really epic and I remember you, you crossed the you crossed the ocean and you get to there's a part where you have to cross this desert and it's a like a puzzle, like this huge desert. You have to camp yep. and find water. And you have to like north, left, north, left, left yeah. right. And then you get to this ancient civilization that was has like dead. Yep. And the whole game is like kind of dark ages. There's no technology. And then you get to a part in a part of the world like wait. 
this is all high tech robots. Yeah. Like, oh, what's going on? This world has deep history. And then you, then you fight this, and then you find out your friend, the kid with the purple hair, yeah, yeah. is actually also a dragon, and he's there, and he's, and it's like, what? Yeah, I remember that just being, and then I loved Ray. Your buddy with the hair, and he had the two knives that he held backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought his animations, I thought he was so cool. Yep. Yeah, that, and then f- what was cool about 4, you played, you would go back, you'd play as the the main antagonist. Yeah, that big dragon dude. The ba- yeah. And then, yeah, and you'd that go new, back and forth. Yeah. Man, those are good games. Those are, those are super solid. I would, if they came out with Breath of Fire 5, I would lose my mind. I love those games. They did a Breath of Fire on PS2 that did they? people talk about. It's like, Dun- Dragon Quartet or Dungeon Quartet. Okay. And it has like a... T- I never played it. And it has like a... It seems like roguelite elements or part... Like there's levels and they're randomly generated and you have to beat the game multiple mm. times to get the story. I don't... So some people say it's really good. I've never tried it. I'll have to look at it and see if I can emulate it. What else stands out to you on PS1? Because PS1 is a big library. It, there's so much stuff. And I feel like like as a kid, my budget was not big enough to buy a ton of the library, so I feel like there's a lot I missed until later years, right? Like I didn't play Symphony of the Night until ten years ago. Okay, we'll um, just talk about PS. Yeah, no yeah. matter when you play, oh it, yeah, yeah, okay. What sticks out to you? So I mean, yeah, Symphony of the Night, right? Sim- like Ooh. that game, I love that game. Like that, that is the Metroidvania, right? That game defines that is... a Castlevania game. Like that, I mean, the old ones were dope, but that one was the first time that like Igarashi really just like went ham I we're think. gonna do this this is a new formula yeah what uh give me since, since i love this game yeah yeah it's probably probably in my top five of games of all time what are three moments that stand out to you in that game um okay there's the scene in the piano room i think it's or the confessional yes um With the ghost yeah yes oh. that was kind of creepy like what's going on here yeah i like that scene i feel like and i could be imparting this but i it's been a minute since I played with it, but there's a whole like you learn a bunch about your mother in that game, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's that a flashback stuff. dream sequence. Yeah. And you find out he's half human, half Dracula, and a mother. And yes, I loved that. And then I would say the only other thing I really dug is like the first time that I realized you have to fight him with the glasses on. Yes. And you get the upside down castle. Yep. That's a huge. Every. Like, that's a... yeah. Just like as a kid to realize like no, there's an entire other game. I'm here. halfway. It's I'm so I'm not sick. done. Yeah, I'm halfway. That's so yes. dope. Um, so I, that was probably my three. Yeah. Yeah. What else sticks out? Just for PS1 in general. I'm trying to think. Like, we didn't play a lot of Siphon Filter, even though it was, like, super popular. I didn't play Metal Gear. Did you do Metal Gear 1 on PS1 Force, or did you play Metal Gear 2 on PS2 and go back and play Metal Gear 1? Never finished a Metal Gear game. I actually don't like Metal Gear, like, at all. I tried to go back and play Metal Gear 2 when they released the collection on PS3, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, nah, this game sucks. <laughs> and, like, I, I, it, That's like, interesting. So you didn't really get into that. I don't like Metal Gear. I've heard I need to play Revengeance. I've heard Revengeance is actually super sick as like a hack and slash. It's a, hack, it's a different formula. Yeah, it's a completely different formula. I, but I love hack and slash. If you like Devil May Cry, you'll like Dude, Revengeance. I, yeah. De- I am, yeah, Devil May Cry is my jam. Um, PS1. <laughs> Obviously, the Final Fantasy. Honestly, like I feel like all I played on PS One was Final Fantasy Seven, Eight, Nine, and the remake of Six. They released on it in the anthology. Yeah, a little bit of Star Ocean, um, Lunar, Lunar Hearts or Lunar. lunar yeah, there's lunar, something Lunar Story, Lunar Story, Lunar Story, uh, Silver Star Story, Silver Star uh, Story, Lunar yes. Legends, Silver Star Story. Yeah, I know like which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So I played that um, as a kid, or a kid, a teen, a preteen. I think that's like pretty much my PS One experience. Like, Interesting, because that for me, I thought yeah. we we do have some PS One overlap, but for me that was like the console. 
I played. Right. And I have my PS1 collection. Because I was old enough. I started working at 13. Okay. See, and I didn't start And working I had some long. spending money. Yeah. And that's all I spent on. Because obviously there's nothing else. All yeah, my money yeah, would yeah. just go straight to video, video games. games. And I had like 200-something games on my collection. I ended up selling it all, which was a dumb idea. Yeah. I really regret it. But... So PS1 wasn't that big. Did you – you had been playing a lot of games. Were you identifying as a gamer at this time? I think so. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I ever looked at myself like, oh, yeah, I am a gamer, right? But, like, I knew I loved video games. You're into games more than – Yeah, than more than a lot of your almost peers. anything yeah. else. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I played, really. Because, like, I didn't really – I played Tekken Tag, I guess. But like, Was that on PS1? I think it was PS2. It was Tekken Tag PS2? Okay. There Tek- might be a PS1, but there is Tekken Tag on yeah, PS2 yeah, yeah. Def- for sure. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. That- oh, did you play Wipeout on PS1? The hover racing game? No. I played uh, Wave Race though on 64. That was a good one. The Wave water tech yeah, on that. Well, I remember seeing the water in that game. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Like, I didn't play Wipeout. I feel like the PlayStation 1 era is kind of where I thought I was super, super into gaming and it kind of declined off. And then I came back. For, like I, I really think that's where that kind of declined because like I didn't buy a PS2 until years, years, years later, and then like really jumped hardcore back into gaming in the Xbox era. So okay, so you have this break, yeah, definitely. and then you PS2 gets you to come. What got you to come back? Uh, so on I PS2? bought some. I bought a used PS2 from somebody and Final Fantasy X just to play Final Fantasy. Oh, X. so a Final Fantasy yeah, got you yeah, back? Yeah, yeah, Final Fantasy X, and that was like the only real game I played on PS2 for a while. And then I played the 3D Castlevania, uh, Lament of Innocence, I think it was called. Yes, that one's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked Lament. I liked it. So I played that, and I don't know if I even have ever finished it. I just remember playing it, and then just kind of died a little bit on the PS2 stuff. And like, so the, you you had a break, yeah. came back for PS2, then had a break again. Yeah, and I didn't really get like back into gaming like I am now until I was probably twenty, nineteen, eight, uh, between eighteen and twenty. Okay, so and, on Final Fantasy X, what sticks out to you? <sighs> that you opening, love it, that was... opening cutscene blew okay. my mind. Like it blew yeah. my fucking mind. I the CG was another. It was insane. Another jump that yeah. was just. Um. Otherwise, I love like so. I actually finished it for the first time about two years ago when they released the collection, the remaster. Yeah. Um. And I thought I loved like their take on religion. Right. How like. I really enjoyed that. Like Waka was from this kind of like weird religious sect. Yeah. And I really liked, um, is it Lulu? Uh, the Black Mage chick? Yeah, with her little doll. I Like, she was, like, super devout, yet hella gothic. I don't know. I kind of <laughs> dug that. Yeah. But overall, that game was okay. It was good. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing, but it was good. Did you I do think, 11 or 12 on PS2? Uh, so I didn't play 11 on PS2. I played a little bit of 11 on PC. 12, I remember... Because I was working at GameStop when 12 came out. So I remember... Oh, you worked at GameStop. So like did I. six years, yeah. Is that how we met? I don't know. Maybe. I Did I work at your GameStop? Now my mind is like, how I, did I meet you? It had to have been through GameStop. Because well, we went to college together. Because we're together. the same age. We had classes together, though, right? In school, didn't we? We did have classes in school, but what GameStop did you work so at? So I started in American Fork. And then... Well, no, I started in like West Jordan. And then I, I got promoted to American Fork. Then I was in Provo Town Center Mall. And then mm. I was in a university mall. I was in university. That's I worked there for, I want to say a year because I remember two Christmas seasons. So just yeah. a little over a year. Um, so I was there. There was a I... big tall guy named Josh that worked at university. Yep. And then kind of like an emo kid, Zach. Zach. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We must have worked together. We yeah, we worked together at GameStop. Then. Yeah. Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you were also in school too. Yeah, so yep. I was getting those two conflated. Yeah. The yeah. GameStop is. That's an interesting place to work at. It's, it's a thing. Yeah, it, it changed a, a lot of the way I looked at video games. Yeah. 
Like there was, a, I learned a lot there. But man, that company, wow. How are they still alive? I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that they're still in business. Like their their model is outdated, and their stores are still just terrifying. Like I get anxiety going into a GameStop. Like legit, I start sweating bullets when I walk in. I, I <laughs> and I live. So I live in West Valley now. There's literally one two minutes away from my house. Like it's next to the coffee shop that I frequent. And yeah. I can't. You can't go in there. I have to like really be jonesing to look at a video game yeah. to walk in that store. If you were a CEO of GameStop, what would you do? Um, Cause, or would you just try to dissolve it and cut your losses and move I on? I don't know that I'd dissolve it, but I would make it a culture shift, right? I would stop focusing on – pre-orders and like and i know they don't maybe don't focus on it as hard but like i would stop focusing on driving certain numbers and i would focus i would turn it into a culture spot right like you this is a place gamers can come and be they'll they'll spend money if it, they like exactly it yeah. right like make it feel like a place that they belong and a place they should be because when i walk into it like the couple of times i've walked into a GameStop in the last year maybe four times as somebody who is, you know, an adult with excess spending money, and I spend a considerable amount of money on gaming accessories and hardware. Well, I don't even want to talk about that. Right. But, like, <laughs> but you do, and you have the money to spend on yeah, it, right? Yeah. It's part of your budget. When I go in there, I feel like I don't belong there and that I'm not – like I am not a part of whatever culture it is they have there. Yeah. And I feel like it's because the culture that GameStop has now is the same culture it was 15 years ago. And that's just mm. not what gaming is anymore, right? Like Game gaming, has changed. It's yeah. everybody. Like my mom's a gamer at this point. She plays mobile games. Everyone is gaming. And I feel like GameStop is still like – how do I say this without being an asshole? Like I feel like gaming is still the stereotype, right? You've got the dude with like the goatee and the ponytail. Yeah. And then the little anime girl behind the counter – and it kind of smells weird, and they look at you like you have to prove to them to be there to shop. And it's like, bro, like you need to be selling. Yeah. So I just there's just a culture problem there that needs to be fixed. And I think I don't know that it needs to turn into like an esports zone, but it needs to turn into a community engagement center. Like, have you been to a Microsoft store? It's pretty cool. It's I mean, kind of it's like an Apple store, a little looser, maybe. Yeah, and they have like games up on the console. Yeah, like, they let you play the uh, the Oculus. I right. went to one, and they let me play it. Like there was. An Apple store, but just felt it was clean like Apple, right? And it's like white and similar lighting and layout, but it was also less uppity. Yep. Yeah. And that's like GameStop should move to that. Like there shouldn't it shouldn't be like walking into a Barnes and Noble. There shouldn't be walls of game cases with stickers on them and yeah. people trading shit in. Like you should be rolling into an experience of like, hey, have you seen the new Xbox? Do you compete? Are you competitive? Do you want high end gaming headsets? Like. That's where the margins are, and I feel like they're just missing the boat. And maybe they're maybe it's like maybe the age of this type of brick and mortar is just dead. But it, that could it be. just needs to be an experience, like a good solid experience. Like case in point, I walked in there when Devil May Cry Five came out. I was like, I'm gonna buy this game. I didn't pre-order it. I walk in, and this was legit the conversation. I walk in, and the two employees are just talking to each other, not looking at me, not paying attention. I do a loop around the store. Don't see DMC on the shelf. Walk up to the counter, and they both did like the slow horror movie turnaround, yeah. where it's like they're right behind me, aren't they? Right, and I'm like, hey, do you guys have Devil May Cry? And they were like, did you pre-order it? No, no, nah, man, we're out. All right, bye. That was literally like, like a six-second engagement. You're not going back. Yeah, no, yeah. like, like, and all you could have said is like, hey, man, we sold out, but like, just like the tone, the look, like it was. They just were annoyed like, with you. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, bro, like that's not, like. 
I'm the target market. Like, I'm the I'm guy the with one money to need... spend. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm the guy that's going to go, you know what? I'm just, while well, I'm sitting at the office, I'm just going to Amazon this thing and have it at my house in two days. Like, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah, the, so. only, the only reason besides the community aspect, if they did have that, that you go to GameStop is you don't want to wait. You yep. want it now. Yep. It's a convenience thing. Yep. Otherwise, you're just going to order it online or get it digital and yep. download it. And honestly, like almost all my purchases at this point are digital. So, yeah. Like, it, why wouldn't I? So, you get back into yeah, gaming yeah. when you start working at GameStop. Yeah, and I was still like on the fence, right? Like, I was playing stuff because you could check out games, right? So, I would take them home and play them. Is there anything on PS2 that's because the, the PS2 has a really Dude. strong library, too? Katamari Damacy. Okay. That game is like, will always be a part of me because I just, it was so weird. And it was so fun. Just like a ball of garbage that gets bigger? Yeah. Yeah. And, and with a crazy, like, acid jazz soundtrack. Yeah. Like, it was dope. That game, uh, obviously Final Fantasy X, um, Lament of Innocence. What else did I play on PS2? I feel like there's a whole bunch of PS2 games. Kingdom Hearts. That's um, a big one. Did you like the new Kingdom Hearts? I didn't buy it. Didn't play it. I pre-ordered it, bought it, and made it about an hour and a half in. It was like... I've heard... I... It was the first time I really felt... Almost not betrayed because it's is I almost I should have just expected it. Yeah. It's it's a two thousand whatever whenever Kingdom Hearts two came out, yeah. which is two thousand nine eight. I don't know somewhere in there, yeah. maybe but, even earlier. It's just like a mid two thousands game with a fresh coat of paint. Yep, I can see that. And the voice acting and the the writing. I don't know if Kingdom Hearts one and two was that bad. I was just younger. Yeah, but the writing on Kingdom the new Kingdom Hearts is slut. I felt you talked about anxiety going to game. I felt anxiety listening to this writing. Like I can't. Yep. Who who is the person whose job? Like who green lit this? Yeah. Like exactly. and how do they still have a job? Yeah. It's so bad. And like yep. these are Pixar characters, and Pixar has a very strong brand oh, and really like. And their and writing is how so did good. they let this yeah happen? It's bad. Don't get it. Okay. But um, I do have good memories of Kingdom Hearts one and two. Yeah. Um. I started playing a lot of horror games then, too. So, like, Siren. Um, oh. Did you ever play Ghost Hunters? Yeah, you, that's the first. You're yeah. the first one to bring up both yeah, those yeah. games. I played those. Um, I feel like there was a Silent Hill on PS2. There is a Silent Hill on PS2. It's um, a lot of people consider the best Silent Hill. Yeah, I remember playing that. But nothing really seems to stand out as, like, a big moment for you. Mm-mm. War of the Monsters. Did you ever play War of the Monsters? Like, it was just a shitty game where you were four monsters from <laughs> the city and fighting. Like, I didn't really, like... Until Halo on Xbox, like I really didn't start diving back in and like okay. diving out. So after Halo's games. the one that brought you back into the Halo form. one. Yep, the first time I played Halo one four player in a land party or like eight player land party or whatever, I was in. Like I was back. I bought Xbox Live. I bought a console. I got four controllers. Like I was okay. So you this. it got you all in. Yep. This is also a really common one. So give me, give me like a really a strong moment for you in the single player campaign and your best because everyone's played Halo. Yeah, like your craziest, funniest land party story. Someone got in a fight. Someone broke. T- you know what I mean? Yeah, we never really like our land parties were pretty chill. I would say online, like landing the noob combo on people, right? Like, yeah, and just getting screamed at. And like, <laughs> I do have one. I can't. This might have been Halo Two. That's fine. But we had a. We were just crushing this team, and this kid was just like talking shit. And my buddy was like, "Dude, fuck you, kid!" And his dad got on the mic and started yelling at him. And it was like one o'clock in the morning, and my buddy was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." 
you're yelling at us over Xbox Live at one o'clock in the morning and your kid's still playing video games. You're a bad father. <laughs> and that was like the close. It was wild. Like, I was like, Whoa. he just dunked on him. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Went in. So that's probably my best Halo memory. Story wise, I don't remember that story being that. So it was memorable. the multiplayer. Yeah, that it was got definitely you. the multiplayer. Like, yeah, yeah. I played the single player, but the multiplayer was where we put hundreds of hundreds. So of Halo hours. gets you back in. Do you start? Yeah. So do you? You mentioned earlier you're yeah. sick of shooters. I think before yeah. we started recording or not. Yeah, yeah, I've kind of left shooters. But you went through a shooter phase. Was oh, it more sure. shooters at that point, or what did you play when you so, got back in? Halo uh, definitely jumped on Rainbow Six, Ghost Recon, but then Fable came out. <gasps> yes, and good I one. played Fable, Jade Empire. Jade, um, you yeah, yeah, first one. So a couple of people have mentioned Fable, which we'll talk about. But you're the first person to bring up Jade Empire, which was. It was the, Bioware. Yeah, it was like it was after Knights. Kotor, right? Yeah, yeah, it was an after Kotor, and I remember there was a lot of hype at this point. I definitely had an EGM monthly subscription. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I remember, I remember the pre-hype for that game was big. Yep. Um, it was because it was like I didn't love Star Wars and shoot I me, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Either. It's all right, but I liked Bioware, and I still like. Yep. I like now. Oh, these Western RPGs are kind of more adult. They have deeper systems. I was moving out. I after ten and twelve. I don't really have any fond JRPG memories. I just the formula didn't work for me anymore. Right, and I think like the gaming industry kind of took a bit of a shift, right? Like Xbox hit the scene, the American game industry started kind of started really because Japanese were up. king forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm with you there. Like shoot, that's I think that's one reason why I was so into like all the shooters. So like that, I loved Fable. Um, did Did you follow the pre hype for Fable, or did you just end up playing it? Cause I did, and I pre sold the shit out of that game. I was so. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm actually glad. Yeah, so yeah. I want to see if my memory is accurate because I think you would have a closer as you were working at GameStop yeah, and yeah. pre selling it. I remember Peter or whatever Monulox, yeah, or whatever Peter his Mon- name yeah, is, yeah. saying like, "This is going to be the because there was open world games." Like GTA had come out, but this was going to be open world like nothing before detailed. I remember him saying something like, you could plant a tree as yep. a child and that tree would be there as an adult and like the world would follow based on your actions and it built it up to being just – and it was – I probably – I admit it was probably one of the deeper open world kind of hub area games for its time. But it did not But it did not live up to mm-hmm. the hype at all. And I was a little disappointed, but it was also a fun game. Mm-hmm. I brought this up on another podcast. I remember like you could do the flirting mechanic, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. And I remember like trying to – it was the first time I got into trying to like push a game systems yep. to see when they would break. And so I would like marry somebody or I would like kill the husband and then she would like – they would – I would get attacked by guards or whatever. I would leave and like, well, if I get the guards to reset, can I go back and try to flirt with that girl? Will she remember that I killed yeah. her husband and can I marry her? And she could. Like it would just kind of reset the system and then – and it would work, and then I would like kill her. I went, and you could have to like. I think it was the first game I remember having light and dark path. Yeah, and yep. um, and I I beat it. I think I beat it first as the good person, and then my inner rebellion because I still wanted to rebel from being Mormon. And it was maybe that's what it was. Yeah, but I'm like I'm go going full evil. darkness, and I would like decimate the whole town. It's, can you kill every person in the game? I tried to kill every person in the game. Yeah. you can't do it. Hmm. There's NPCs and things you can't actually kill, but you can kill a lot of people in the game, and they end up. I believe respawning. So it was. What do you remember at the pre hype of that game? I remember, do you remember the tree thing? I remember the tree thing. I remember. And I also remember like him talking about like burying stuff, coming back later and getting it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just, it just being like this persistent, persistent beautiful world. world. And I, I think that like in his mind, he could eventually build that. But I mean, the tech clearly wasn't ready. Like, yeah. there, 
And he had budget time constraints. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, if you look at what we have now, like, even now, games that are persistent world have limitations, right? And yeah. we've kind of accepted those as, as gamers. But, yeah, I remember so much hype and the game still being great, but not being... What sticks out to you to that game? What memory? The quest where you had to do, like, they had those, like, challenge quests. Okay. And, like, to, like, finish, like, one of them was, like, get through a level without taking damage or get through this mission with only punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that shit was wild. That was fun. To me, like, as a kid, I was like, I don't, I don't this is crazy. This is fucking crazy. Um, I thought the voice acting was actually pretty fun, too. Like, I think it was decent for the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Like, I just remember, like, the villains kind of being, like, voice actors, pretty good, like, good voice acting. It was pr- it was beautiful. It was a pretty game. It was a good it looking was game. Really pretty. The li- I remember the lighting through the trees. The yeah. like leaves way on the armor it was the first time I had seen tree lighting that looked that good. Yeah, like in some decent like specular. Yeah, specular, Xbox like, had decent. great lighting for the yeah. time. Great I, what reflection. was it? A uh, uh, Splinter Cell. Yeah, yeah. When that game came out, I was like, this can't be real. I've never yeah. seen lighting like this. Yep, Splinter Cell. Well, so was what? Super dope. You got into so you did the shooter, but you did yep. play Fable's RPG. Was there other shooters? What were you playing mainly? Halo, Halo, Halo Two, Halo Just Three. Halo. Like so much Halo. Like I think I have kind of a one track mind, and like if I wanted to play a story, because I think at that time the DS had come out as well. So that's why I was playing like all the ports, right? Like they were porting all these Final Fantasy games onto the DS. Yeah. So I was going back and playing those. So it seems like you um, have a, kind of one main game, then you'll dabble. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And I mean, for the last ten years, it's been well, seven, no, almost ten years. It's been Street Fighter. So. When did you start playing Street Fighter? Uh, Street Fighter, uh, Xbox 360, uh, Street okay. Fighter Four. So. so that got you back into Street Fighter. Yep, that's what pulled me back into fighting games. And when I really started thinking about it as like a competitive thing and not as just like a, I think doing combos is a cool uh, okay. thing. So, what yeah. else on Xbox stands out? <sighs> Halo, 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 Forza. Forza? Like, I don't like racing games, but I just always thought Forza was beautiful. Um, so I would love to. I, I would play. I would do the races just to like see everything. Um, I didn't like Grand Theft Auto, but the hot coffee mod sticks out in my mind because I was <laughs> I was working in retail for that. Right? So that so was coming up. I dealt it was with on the it. news. Yeah. yeah, and like we stopped taking trade ins of the game. You had to know which version was hot coffee, which version wasn't. Oh wow! I remember buying a version of the hot coffee mod to throw in my drawer at home, so that like if it ever became a thing, I would have it. I don't you, know. If I pro- I might still have the disc at home somewhere. It might might actually be a thing. Yeah, that's like, kind of a gaming history sort of big. It's a big right. deal. Yeah, and it was like you had to get. And I think it was still for those who don't know what it is. Oh, the, a good idea. The hot yeah. coffee mod. Let me forget this right. Was a glitch on an older version of the game. Something to do with coffee, where you could unlock nudity in a sex scene. Right. right? You'd have like a full nude sex scene with a woman because, and it was while they were drinking coffee, and it was like you had to do like a very specific quest path to or something break the game. That would break yeah. It. yeah, yeah. And they had taken the code out, right? Or they had like broken the link to the code, but this glitch would get you back to where. Yeah, yeah. And it was a big fucking deal. It was a big deal. It was Grand Theft Auto was on the news quite a bit, yeah. and I remember. Again, my parents were like really, really strict and religious. Yeah, and um, <laughs> they saw something on the news. Do you remember this? There must have been a news cycle when they talked about the ability to have sex with the hooker, get yeah. life back, and yep. then kill her and take yep. her money. And my parents saw that on the news and came down, and I was playing the game. Yeah. And I was careful not to do stuff that I knew they wouldn't approve of. Because my dad comes come down and watch me play games. It's like I wouldn't trigger a cutscene because I know that there's going to be swear words. Yep. So I would just like mindlessly drive around and do stuff. Yeah, this is a cool game, Dad. I love driving, But he yeah. came down and was watching. He's like, I know about this game. You mm-hmm. can't trigger – I know about this game. 
And I, my defense was, yeah, but you don't have to. You don't have to do that stuff. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a sandbox. It's a choice. I don't choose. The, I choose the right, Dad. I choose the right. <laughs> choose the and right. he didn't take it away. It it uh, it appeased him temporarily. Tem- yeah, that. Yeah. But I feel like Grand Theft Auto pushed so many things. Like, so this is a fighting game reference again. But like, uh, Daigo Umahara has been quoted recently as saying, "If we don't push boundaries." Nobody will know where to set the boundaries, right? And I feel like it's the same way with games like Grand Theft Auto. That's really when the ESRB became something like serious. And people that's what I wanted like, to bring up. Do you remember yeah. when that came out? Because my earliest ESRB memory was Streets of. I couldn't play Streets of Rage three. Yeah, because I had Streets of Rage one and two, and then th- by the time three came out, it was teen. My, yeah, but it didn't really. My parents did it, but it seems like it wasn't big until. Like, Grand I, Theft Auto. Yeah, and that's when it really started becoming like, oh, your kid is under 17. I can't sell them this. I can't sell game. it. They, they yeah. enacted the policies. And GameStop, I think, was a big driver of that because they kind of made that like – it wasn't a law, right? They just made it like their company, company policy. policy. And then suddenly like Best Buy was doing it and Media Play was doing it and – like did Toys R Us do it? I think so. I think, I think they probably are, yeah. did. So like I think that was kind of the thing. Like the retailers almost kind of like got in with the ESRB and started pushing it. But I feel like it was before the hot coffee mod though because I remember IDing people to buy Grand Theft Auto before the hot coffee mod. Before that like, became yeah, a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, that's that a good wild. point. If you don't push the boundaries, then you don't know where you should draw them. Yeah. It also seems like a good way to justify pushing the boundaries. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, <laughs> It's also a good way to justify being a dick. But I mean – he was referencing uh, some illegal con- – not illegal controller stuff, but some controllers, mods he found that what? are now banned. Because so. since you worked at GameStop, that's pretty interesting. What is your – what's the biggest thing that you would say ha- either happened or game or controversy that happened while you were at GameStop? Controversy. I, I think the hot coffee mod the, was probably, probably the, hot coffee the biggest one. thing I experienced there. I think the biggest like thing I experienced just overall like cultural was the Wii launch. That was wild. The what Wii launch? launch? The Wii, the original Wii. Oh yeah, that, that was, was like sh- wasn't that uh, they were short for a year for, or something? Yeah, it was just wild. The demand on that was insane. I had moms camping out during the Christmas season <laughs> and like legit like buy like if they got a Wii, they would bring us like gift cards for dinner. Like they were insane about getting these things for Christmas. Like it's the only time I've ever experienced like that kind of mania. That kind of hype and mania. Yeah, yeah. we would get 72 in and be sold out in an hour and a half. Dang. Like, it was wild. That was, to me, that was, like, the biggest, like, cultural phenomenon I had I experienced. I have a confession to make. I worked at GameStop during the Wii, hmm. and uh, I hooked some people up and pushed some people down. Sure. I hooked some homies up, and I I remember feeling really bad about it because it was, like, it was the same thing, like, a mom, like, a nephew. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, and it was, like, a mom would help him out, but then I just realized, like, I just pushed that mom. Right. And her sons, and I felt a little bad about yeah. it later because, like, they did the right thing, and they were earlier yeah but i pushed someone else down to get it and i did it twice that i can remember i also i think that's the first time i remember family members that were always dicks or i didn't know very well they're trying to coming like out of the get on your good side yeah of, what's up bro you got one of those wees yo how's life man i don't know i haven't seen you since i was fucking 12 yeah <laughs> like that that was the the wild times that's a good point they're probably i don't think there's been a console that has has had that sort of momentum ever mm-hmm. that's probably as far as you could say sales in the first year, the greatest console of all time in that regards, wouldn't it be? I think so. I think the Switch 
Switch might be close. I think it's been passed since because gaming has obviously grown. It's as an bigger industry. than it was then. Yeah, but like the mania for sure. Like even like the Switch, where oh, it sold out everywhere. I had friends that were like, "Yeah, the Switch is super hard to get. It sold out. I had to wait two weeks to get it." And I'm like, "That's not. That's not how it was with the Wii. Yeah, yeah, the Wii was like months, right? Or you were camping out." Um, I'm trying to think of anything. Again, it wasn't like a. It wasn't like a drama or any kind of a controversy, but. That was like also the only ever other the only time I clearly remember massive lines for games, right? Like Halo 2's launch was insane. Big launches, yeah. World of Warcraft expansions, right? Like that whole thing was so cool. Just like how I loved how much people loved those games, how passionate you they were. You loved seeing those the games. passion and the yeah, hype. That yeah. was sick. It was also a lot of fucking weird people, but <laughs> yeah, I loved. I I thought those were cool. Like I loved the World of Warcraft launches, the Halo launches. Like those were. Cool. I remember they made me tuck your shirt in, right? Yeah, I hated that shit. It was shit. so weird wearing. It a made fucking... you look dumber. It made you yeah. like. Ah. Dude, and they were fighting and fighting that, and they just would not bend. Yeah, that was, a, and that's another thing I think. Like culturally, it's like, why are you making us wear khakis and a polo? We sell fucking video games. <laughs> like, we should be. We should be high at work. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, well, maybe I was. Maybe, yeah. I mean, hopefully. But, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. But but you get my point, right? Like, you're so video games. Yeah, like, yeah. You bring joy. Like, you shouldn't be in a fucking suit and tie. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. So you get back into gaming. You're working yep. at GameStop. Yep. Playing a lot of shooters. So you go from Xbox, it sounds like, to 360. Definitely Did you 360. not do any PS3? Um, I bought a PS3 late. Because uh, PS3 came out first, right? No, it came out second. 360 Xbox came out first. first. So yeah, definitely 360. Played, uh, remember the God, not Godzilla, uh, King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Yes. That was like one of the longest titles. I never played that. It was fucking beautiful. Was it good? I don't think it was a good game, but it was pretty. The next gen yeah, graphics blew exactly. you away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, Call of Duty, right? Like, played the hell out That's of Call when of that Duty. Started. Elder Scrolls, which I turned out I don't love, but I played that because it was out. Um, Geometry Wars. Oh my God, so much Geometry Wars. Um, yeah, a lot of those. Uh, Halo 3 was an Xbox 360 game, right? So played Halo 3. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, PS3 came out, and I remember waiting to buy it, because it was like 600 bucks. It was really expensive. Um, but I did buy a first-gen eventually, and I don't, like, there's no games on that, like, I mean, the Uncharted games, right? Like, that, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what pushed me over the edge, was like, I have to fucking play this Uncharted game. And, I mean, totally worth it, right? Totally still, worth it. Still worthwhile. Final Fantasy XIII, um, a lot of the PS1 ports, so I went back and played all those yeah, again. Yeah, so I used it for a backwards compatibility, because yep. I had this big PS1 and PS2. I was basically PS1. I have been on, from PS1, I've had every Sony console, yeah. basically close to launch or a year within launch. Yep. And I, I, that's what was awesome about the PS3, is I have backwards compatibility. Yeah. And when they, and I, I have friends, I could find the texts. But I called the PS5 backwards compatibility. I started telling people, messaging like, I, I kind of went a little bit overboard. I thought they were going to have PS1 all the way to PS4 backwards compatibility in one box. It's really just PS4. Yeah. But I was saying, like, look, they destroyed it this generation. PS4 outsold, has way more. Yep. It's just, aside from the the Switch has really gained, but. The Switch is such a good console. PS, PS4 is dominated. And yep. they don't. They don't want to lose that momentum. And right. I was thinking, like, if I was Sony, what would I do? Well, the only thing that's going to get you to switch, if you can only buy one console, if you have a limited amount of money, mm-hmm. if it gets you to switch, it's going to be an exclusive. Well, they have better exclusives. They have more exclusives. So that's on lock. If you add the backwards compatibility, because yep. if you don't want me to switch to Xbox, the new Xbox, well, then don't abandon the investment I've put into yep. your, your platform ecosystem. right now. Yep. And I thought, like, and I was thinking, like, well, I'm this lifelong Sony fan. 
They're, and I heard rumors on NeoGAF and stuff about backwards compatibility. And someone said they're going to have PS1 all the way to PS4. Four. That would be dope. Full backwards compatibility for everything, not uh, disc based, but digital uh, based emulation. Which, which based. makes sense, like because like that's where Apple's winning, right? Like their ecosystem, it stays with you. It stays with you, and yeah, that should be the same. That should be the same. Yeah, but I'm glad they did PS4 backwards compatibility. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, I from here we're gonna kind of like because I want people to come yeah, back yeah. on as a repeat guest, so I don't want to get into more modern yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do want to talk about fighting. Sure. Sort of getting back into fighting games. Sure. And when you decided to, to like, I'm going to get good at this. Yeah, so this would have been Street Fighter 4. So I bought Street Fighter 4 when it came out, right? I'm like, I love Street Fighter. I'm buying this game. I'm buying the collector's edition. It comes with a stupid fucking action figure. I still have that Sea Viper in my office. Um, so I bought that, and I played it. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. And I walked away. And about six years later... So way later. Yeah. Was 5 already out at this no, point? No, no. no. Okay. So they six years, five, six years later... They came out with Ultra Street Fighter. And they came out with Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition 2012, and it was twenty bucks. And my mother in law was like, "Well, future mother in law at this point was like, what do you want as a gift?'" And I was like, ah, "Get me the Street Fighter game." Yeah. And my buddy Casey and I were talking, and we had played a bunch of games together. And he was like, "Dude, I love Street Fighter. I should teach you how to block." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "I'll teach you how to block." So he put me through a blocking session. Literally, I'm going to jump roundhouse you until you can block jump roundhouse. Then I'm going to do jump roundhouse into jump roundhouse into sweep, and I'm going to do that until you can block that. Now I'm going to cross you up, and you need to block the other way. Yeah, and that's where it's. And you started dark. learning like the actual deep mechanics. Yeah, and yeah. At, and at that point, I was like, I want to play this game, and from there, it just kind of went. And like Street Fighter Four, I would say for the three years I played it competitively, I'm putting air quotes up. There's no video, but air quotes yeah. because. I, oh, maybe there is video, but I'm just I saying, like... I fucking forgot to oh. push record. I'm sorry. Oh, well. Oh, no well. video this anyway, episode. Anyway, so, like, I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. Like, I thought what I was doing was playing competitively, but really I was just grinding shitty habits and getting my ass beat and having fun doing it. Oh. So, and I started... So you learned a little bit, but you still had, didn't, you right, had like, bad habits. I had combos. I had no fundamentals. I had no footsies, which is, like, you know, you're in your neutral game and your movement. Yeah. I didn't understand frame data, which is, like, if you don't... A big not, part, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to do well. So, like, when, as 4 was wrapping up, we had finally started traveling, right? We had gone to Evo. Um, they had the PlayStation Experience, which is where they hosted the Capcom Cup first two years. So we had gone to those, and we went to the last, so we went to the last one before Street Fighter Five was coming out. They had announced Street Fighter Five, I think, at Evo, and they said February 2016, this game is coming out. It will be focused on competitive gaming and esports, and we're going to drop this game. So we went to the last Capcom Cup for Street Fighter Four. It was super dope to watch. And we were like, all right, when five comes out, we're in. Like, we're and going we're to start that. from we're the, yeah, yeah, we're going to start from ground zero with the community because in four, there was already like five to six years of assumed knowledge we didn't have. For those listening, explain what footsies oh, yeah. and frame data is. So, so footsies is the idea of where of picking your positions on screen and trying to get your opponent to do something that you can react to and challenge or punish. Um, it's like maybe distance management. Distance management, or like yeah, and like like footsies in general is like okay, so I'm walking back and forth in and out of range of their their buttons, like yeah. where their buttons will hit me, because if they hit a button, then you um, have a then counter. I can, yeah, yeah, it's called whiff punishing, right? I, if that button whiffs in front of me, I have a button I can hit that'll whiff punish that, and that's part of footsies. Yeah. So footsies is like the overall idea of like moving back and forth and on your opponent and controlling space in front of you to make them take a risk that you can then benefit from. So like. We didn't have that. We didn't understand it. We're like, okay, when five comes out, we can start learning that. You know, frame data is certain animations take time to recover. And so if you block something, 
what's your advantage like, right? So if you're negative two, the fastest, the fastest normal in Street Fighter V is three frames. So if somebody's animation on block is minus two, that means they're safe, but it's your turn. So I get to start pushing buttons, right? Yeah. Even though they'll be able to block them, but if they try to push a button when they're minus two, I'm actually going to get the hit because they are starting up a new animation. Yes. I'm going to start earlier. Um, and so when you start understanding that, there are certain sequences and certain moves that are minus three, minus four, minus five. So there's an opening. And you get a punish. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. then take They then take damage for their mistake. And starting to understand that really started to push my game plan because that's where the meta develops, right? You start looking at like, all right, well, this person's minus two, so they're safe. But I know they've been pushing a lot of buttons when they're minus two, which means I can push a fat, a, a slower button, and it'll still get a, happen. It'll still yep, get it. I'll get the counter hit, and I'll get more damage. Yeah. Or they're minus two. How do you know when someone's pushing too? They're too greedy. They're pushing too much. Uh, you you'll can tell by looking at them, or is it? They'll, how? they'll do it. Like you can watch them do it. It's you habitual. Can, yeah. Like yeah, if you you'll start seeing the counter hits, or like you can kind of start to quickly assess players based on like how aggressive they are. And generally, aggressive players will push more buttons when they're not supposed to, or they'll take bigger risks. Um, they're getting, so a real player just punishes you for spamming buttons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and they, you know, taking turns that aren't your turns, doing things that you're not supposed to do at specific ranges. Yeah. And that's how the meta develops, and the mind games really develop. Of Like, well, I know that when you're minus two, you like to do an invincible move, which means if I push a button, you're actually going to steal my turn and hit me. But if I know you're going to do that and I block, I get a hell of punish. Because then I, I waste my super move and then there's I have a longer I have, recovery uh, yeah. time and you can punish I, me. Punish, yeah. And I get a big button, right? And so yeah. you start learning like the meta there and that's where like the game gets really fun because you're dealing with that and you're playing against the player and the characters for the matchup. So we started learning that, and we started playing every week. So we started, guy, every Wednesday we're going to your uh, – my buddy Casey, Lord Bane, we're going to your house. Every Wednesday we're going to play. And we've been doing that for almost – well, for three and a half years at this point. So three and a half years at least once a week has gotten yeah. you enough to win a local tournament. Yep. And I would say like – It seems I'm gonna, like you're probably a quick study. Uh, no, I play a lot. So like let's take into account that I was waking up every morning at 6, feeding my dogs, getting my coffee, playing till 8, going to work. Um, traveling to this tournaments. This is like your main hobby. This is what I do. This yeah. is what you do, yeah. And like at this point, I play three tournaments a month locally. Um, I run the tournament at quarters. I play at Game Den in Provo uh, once a month, and I play at the KO Boxing Gym in West Valley where my that my buddy owns. So I play at those tournaments. I was in Chicago at Combo Breaker. Uh, last year I went to Florida and played in CEO. I went to the Capcom Cup and entered the last chance qualifier there. So I'm generally going to two to, th- two to three major tournaments a year where there's like pros and really heavy hitters playing, and I'm playing two to three tournaments a month locally plus practicing in plus my downtime. Yeah, so like... I think on my PC version, which I bought later than the PlayStation version, I have like 2,000 hours logged. And what then is the standard for competition? PS4? PS4. But both games play the same. And Capcom has cross-server functionality. So if I'm playing on my PC, I can play somebody on PlayStation. Because uh, Capcom hosts their own servers. Nice. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I put a ton of time in. And the game is about, in my opinion, like there's two ways to look at the game. There's I have to win. Or there's like fighting games are really about slow progression, self-awareness. And being willing to admit when you fuck up. And learn from it and, and get learn better. from it and get better. And like yeah. the people that have that mindset are always better than the people that don't. Like there's still like the shitty toxic gamer stuff where people rage and they get mad and they get frustrated. Yeah. But it's because they don't have the right mindset. And that's my favorite part about it. Like honestly, like I love You like when you get your ass beat because mm-hmm. you get better. 
Yeah, and you, I like when you I get, get as my, good as who you play. Yeah. Yeah, and I like when I get my ass beat and I say, "All right, clearly you knew something I don't." And they go, "Oh, well." And, and they, they help li- you out. And they list off. Is six the community things. pretty cool about talking about mm-hmm. like people are open about what they're doing and trading ideas and Yeah, so what there's a couple things. So there's tons of Discord servers, there's character specific discords, um tons of communities that way. So, like, I'm in the Ibuki Discord, who's my main, and there's people always sharing tech. There's tons of stuff on YouTube. Tons of people are streaming. Pros are playing. The one thing I will say is people read this as being a douche, and it's not. But, like, sometimes you will ask a person, hey, man, what did I do wrong on that matchup? And they'll just kind of give you a blank stare and shrug. It's not because they don't want to tell you. It's because it's sometimes really hard (laughs) after finishing a match to process that information and spit it back. So you have to be because in a, are you kind of in like a flow state when you're playing? Yeah, and like you're focused on it. And like yeah. for me, like I've developed a habit a lot. Like when I finish a match, my brain dumps the data because you really want – for me, it's important to clear out what happened in that last match and just go into the next one so you don't get salty, you don't get tilted, right? And so and I, so I have that problem. People are like, well, what can I do better? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. I was really focusing on – What I was doing. What I was doing. But then if you can sit down and play sets with that person and that person – You start to be able to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, and if that person is playing in a way to test you and give you feedback, it's a different It's a different thing. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, there's tons of data out there. Everybody's sharing. There's frame data apps. There's people commentating. There's a guy named there's, – so there's like Sajam. Uh, Sajam's a really cool commentator, and he also comes back from tournaments, and he does like slow-mo commentary where he'll break down sets and like uh. talk through like the decision processes and why somebody would have done what they did, and he like slows the video down. He'll draw out spacing information. Like he's there's really a lot t- of good there's, there's a lot of good so uh, info out there to get good at, especially yeah. in Street Fighter. Like there's so the Street Fighter community has so much stuff. There's, Is that the biggest? Fighting game? Um, actually, Tekken and Tekken. Smash are bigger right now. But I would say, from a data perspective, yes. Like, there's even books like Joe Monday. I'm a huge fan of his. He runs Reddit slash Street Fighter. He has a book out called Geef's Gym, and it's a beginner to intermediate guide on how to get good at Street Fighter. And it coaches you through training tips and how things work, how to read frame data. Uh, Gutex, who's kind of an OG player, has a book called I think it's called Footsies. Actually, it might be called Footsies or something, but it talks about what Footsies is, and it's like a hundred pages, but it's a really good in-depth guide. There's huge YouTube playlists out there of like Street Fighter 101, Fighting Games 101. Yeah. There's there's just so much good content, um, and usually people are willing to sit down and talk you through it. The other thing that's hard too is like. Say, like, I'm not good in – like, say I sit down with a pro three years ago and ask them, what did I do wrong, right? And they have a trouble telling me because their skill gap is so big. They're not thinking about the small things that I don't know. They're not understanding that I don't know frame data, right? So their answer is literally going to be, you need to learn frame data, and they'll just leave it at that, right? Yeah. Because they're playing a different game than I'm playing. And that's something that if you're getting new into fighting games, you need to understand is people that have been playing for a long time are playing a different game than you. They're not just playing the mechanics. They're playing you. Yeah. They're, they know the system better than you. They know what they can get away with. They have reads. They understand what you're going to want to do. They can pick up your tendencies faster, which makes the game feel unfair. But it's not unfair. They're just really good. There's at just it. a skill gap. It's a, sk- it's a, a massive like a, skill a gap. A massive, massive skill yeah, gap. Yeah, and the barrier to entry is kind of hard. That how it is. That's how it is with grappling. I mean yep. – I, I wrestled a lot in high school, and I went to a grappling gym the first time with a friend who I knew in high school. I played Halo with, actually. Yeah. And I never knew. He was, like, low-key behind the scenes training martial arts for, like, a, for 13 years. Nobody knew. And he's, like, really good submission grappler. And I, I think I'm, like, 
he doesn't look intimidating either. Sure. I walk into the gym. Well, I message him like, hey, I'm thinking about doing some submission grappling. Do you have, do you have a, one you could recommend, a gym? I know you do. He's like, oh, I actually own a gym. So well, come try mine out. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's that same thing. Like you, he, it's not even, there is quite literally a 0% chance. Yep. But when you're fighting like stand up, I guess you could say you have a puncher's chance. Sure. But it sounds like Street Fighter is a new player against someone who like you, even you, who's not a world class. Sure. Like if I were to play in Street Fighter, I would say there's a 0% chance I could win. Yeah. Maybe actually like zero. There's no way to get lucky and knock you out when you're like, if you're being lazy. Sure. Like, there's just levels, and that's how it is. That's why I'm saying it kind of overlaps with grappling. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. Like, when you roll, and I still, I've been rolling for three years, and my instru- there's still a 0% chance yep. that I will ever catch my instructor. He has to dumb down and come down to my level right. and, and play with me, and he and he's at like 5%, 10%. Yeah. And that kind of, that's, that's why it would be hard for him to say, what are you? What am I doing wrong? And he's like, "Well, where do I start?" Exactly. Because you're, the, the, the level, it's like you don't even know what you don't know to not know to. And, and I can see how that and, would be hard. And yeah, not yeah. to mention too, like in an open bracket format, when anybody can enter, anybody can be a part of this. Not everybody's a good teacher, right? And that's a skill yes. in and of itself. And so, like, just because you're good doesn't mean you're a good teacher. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, you may know what the other person needs to do, but you may not have the ability to put that into words for them. And that's that's also a thing. There's a lot of top players that just can't they can't explain why they're so good. <laughs> yeah. Like they Dang. know what they need to do, but they can't put it into words for you to explain it to you at a yeah. level you'll understand. So yeah. I want to talk we mentioned this before the podcast. I want yeah. you to talk about um is his name Diego? Daigo, yeah, yeah. Daigo playing yeah, yeah. with him, why he's a celebrity, talk yeah. about the uh the famous comeback, why it's a big yeah, deal yeah. in fighting game for explain away like if someone they yeah. know what fighting games are, so but they don't I actually gave a presentation about this. Okay, at so work. perfect. Yeah, like, perfect. Like I stood up in front of like two hundred and fifty of my coworkers and tried to explain that it was great. But, why this was an awesome yeah. comeback. So yeah. this is in Street Fighter Third Strike. Uh the game has a parry system. So what it means is if you were to tap forward on the exact Is it third strike? I thought it was Alpha Three. This is third strike. Okay, um, my memory so must be wrong. If you tap forward at the exact moment that a, a button hits you, you're, you're, you would parry it, which means you would actually absorb block the hit. and you don't take any damage, right? Yeah, and it wasn't even a block. It was a counter. So you would hit it, and their animation would still be going, but you would be free to move so you could punish. Yeah. Um, so you would take a little bit of damage. No, you wouldn't take any damage. You're right. Because he's down uh, to yeah. like – to set the down stage, sliver. Yeah. This, th- this player, Daigo, mm-hmm. is down to like a sliver. He's almost yep. lost. He yeah. has no life. And he's playing Ken, and he's against Justin Wong, who is from New York, now in Northern California, still a prevalent player. Um, he just had to defend the North this last weekend. I think he won eight of the ten games he entered. Um, so Justin basically is like, I'm going to chip you out. Right, because you have no health left. Uh, if you block super moves in a lot of fighting games or normals, uh, the it damn, still hurts you. It'll still hurt you, and yeah. that was the case. So he used Chun Li's super, which is like fifteen hits. So Daigo successfully parried all, all 15, fifteen hits, and then was able to punish Justin and kill him with his super. And what's crazy is that wasn't even grand finals. That was like winners top. That was like top eight, like round three. Like there were still like three rounds of the tournament to go with other players. But is that the most famous fighting game clip? Because yes. yep. I obviously I've 
yeah, heard it's, of it. Yeah. It's, it's, there are, I would say, thousands of people that play fighting games because of that clip. Because of that clip. Because of that clip. It, it, when I saw it, and, and I knew enough about fighting games, I, well, what I thought watching it was, okay, I played enough fighting games. I know that usually when you block, even if it's not a super move, mm-hmm. a lot of games you still take a tiny bit yep, of damage. Exactly, and you can die from chip. And, yep. and it, definitely any sort of super move or power attack, you block, you still take damage. Yep. And so he's down to no, I'm like, oh, he's got no health. And then I and I realized like oh he must be blocking it. I didn't know about parries. Yeah. I'm like oh Street Fighter must have some sort of mechanic. If you block it perfect, you don't take any damage because exactly. he just blocked all of those and he should have died yep. even though he was blocking. And then he comes back and kills him and everyone starts freaking out. Everyone's yelling up and yeah. screaming. And uh, you got to play with him. I did later. In five. Yeah. So I played him last year at Evo. And, and how was that? Man, it was an experience. So there's a photo on my Twitter, at Thomas Winkley, of me playing him. So first of all, I had no idea how many people were behind us um, because, like, I put on headset. I put my earbuds in. I plugged it in. So they have, like, little stations where you can plug your headphones in and hear the uh, game audio. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm playing Daigo. So I sat down. This, this I plugged is, this in is my real. controller. I put my earbuds <laughs> in and I plugged in, turned it up so all I could hear was the music, and I played. Um, and that photo of me on my Twitter was actually on Red Bull Esports because there were like photographers floating around taking uh, pictures. And there was like 30, well, it was probably like 40, 50 people behind us watching this match at this little station, right? Um, so the first round was like feeling each other out. I was feeling pretty solid. I reacted to stuff I should have reacted to. I punished him for some things, took a round off of him with some really good mix ups. And then he barely beat me that first game or like edged me out that first game. And then the next game, his adap- adaptations were so solid. Like, it it, it felt like no, there was nothing I could have done. Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance. Yeah. Exactly. Zero like, percent chance. It, it just – he put up a defensive wall, the likes of which I could not move past. And any time I made an attempt to move past it, I lost 10 percent of my health every he, time. And he, he just locked you, yeah. me out. And arguably, like, I play Ibuki. He, the best Ibuki in the world is named Fujimura. He's from Japan, and he plays Daigo all the fucking time, right? So not so only... So Daigo's com- familiar with Ibuki. Super comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And he's comfortable with every character, to be honest. So yeah, it was it was crazy. It was a really good experience, though, because it was the first time in the seven years that I've played competitive fighting games that I didn't feel lost. I felt beaten. But I didn't feel lost, if that makes sense. There was never mean, a yeah. moment, like afterwards, I didn't walk away going, oh, fuck, I don't know what, what happened. I, done. Yeah. I know what he did. I know what he did. I know why I lost. And I know where I can be better to get to him one day. And that, that was like the coolest feeling in the world because I remember my first Evo showing up 0 and 2, losing the tournament immediately, and not remembering most <laughs> of the matches. Just, <laughs> it was like a whirlwind. Just, just a rude awakening yeah. to where you were at. Yeah. Exactly. So it felt really good to go back at my sixth year at Evo and be like, I get it. I can kind of hang. And I was like yeah. one game away from getting out of my pools, like right on the cusp, right? Like it just felt like the work I put in. You're getting sense. better. You see the progress. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's your favorite gaming memory of all time? Because <clears throat> you're so into fighting games? Or if you had to pick one, it's one. T- it's up there. It's definitely it's up, up there. there. Um, that one's up there. Yeah, I think that's my top one. Like, that was a really, really good gaming memory. Um, yeah, that's probably my top. I think winning Salt Lake Gaming Con was super fun just because it's the first time I've won, like, a tournament on a stage in front of people. So that was kind of dope. That was cool. But, like, playing Daigo was, like, once in a lifetime, right? Like, out of 2,500 entrants, I happened to be put on his side of the bracket. Yeah. I had to win my first game to get to him, did it, played him. Yeah, it was pretty sick. It was pretty fun. Yeah, that's definitely my top. What does he play as? Uh, He plays Guile. And Guile is a motherfucker. (laughs) So, yeah, he he plays a really good Guile. Okay, give me, uh, let's wrap this up with 
your second and third best all time gaming memories? Oof. Second and third best. Second and third best. Man, I really. I will say my second best will be going to Capcom Cup the first year they had it. Uh, it was in San Francisco at the Moscone Center. And I just remember getting into a room full of people who liked this as much as I did. And mm. it was the first time I had ever seen like a Street Fighter tournament put on as a full production. And it was fucking incredible. I mean, the lighting, the Starstruck music. Starstruck a little. Audio. Yeah, yeah, it was super sick. Um, this other game memory I have is just like stupid, but it's hilarious. Getting on the elevator at Evo two years ago, Fudo, who's an incredible Japanese player, and he plays that mech game you were talking about. I can't remember the name of it, but he's like a world champion at that. But he gets on the elevator, and another pro player gets on. And the pro player just starts, like, heckling the shit out of Fudo. And Fudo speaks no fucking English. So he just sits there with this, like, fuck you grin on his face, like, nodding at him. Like, yeah, fuck you, dude. And it was just hilarious. <laughs> so it's just a good memory because we're all just standing in this elevator while these two are just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like, He's just going at it like, yeah. oh, we're witnessing a little. Like, yeah, yeah. This is real uncomfortable, is, but it's also interesting. awesome. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was another good memory. Um, there's also, I mean, man, you always drink when you play Street Fighter, right? I just have some great memories of... Drunk Street Fighter nights. Game's great. I mean, you, I, yeah, I, I knew you were good at Street Fighter, but I didn't know you. I'm okay. You, you're into Street Fighter. Yeah, dude, it's my, it's my, it's I mean, your main gig. Are it's, you playing any thing. other games at all? I play MK11. Um, I really like Mortal Kombat 11, actually. I don't put enough time into it. And then just like RPGs and stuff. I play a lot of mobile games. Um, I don't know if you play Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. Is it good? Oh my god, it is like crack. It's like oh. it's a gotcha game, like a gotcha oh, game. I mean. And then you play. There's a story, and then there's raids, and there, it's. If you don't play it, you shouldn't because it'll just absorb you. But I play that. I play Legend of Dragalia on my phone, which is same thing, but it's done by Psy Games. Um, so you're still in the JRPG sort of. Yeah, I still like dabbling. I still play hella RPGs, like especially if it's on the Switch. Like I'm playing it. Like I what love are you playing on Switch. Switch right now? Uh, so Octopath still, um, Bloodstain still. I am set to now. I have queued up, so hopefully it's not as. Hopefully it's okay. Um, I still need to finish Hollow Knight on that. How do you feel um, about Bloodstain? Have you beat it? I haven't. I'm only. Uh, I'm not very. I'm probably like four hours in. I like it, but I can definitely see where it's not Symphony. It's not, but it's but it's it's good enough. It's good. It's what I've been wanting. Like I just want. It's get, better than no new game. Yeah, it's better yeah. than no new Castlevania ish game, right? Yeah. Like this game is basically Castlevania with a modified story, which I yeah. love. Um, yeah, so I, I really like it. Um, there's definitely some weird stuff on Switch I'm seeing, like items will get stuck in ceilings and stuff. But I just I don't know that I care because I just wanted a new game to explore. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm liking it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else really on my queue. I played, I 100%ed Mario Odyssey. I thought that game was fucking phenomenal. The skill challenges. You got all the stars all, or moons or whatever. Every single thing. The oh, yeah. skill challenges in that are so dope. And they're so akin to like landing one frame combos in fighting games that I just, I couldn't not. Mm. So I really liked that. Um, I've actually played some retro stuff. So I just finished building a MAME emulator with my Raspberry Pi and I'm building a cabinet. So I've been playing quite a bit of Street Fighter Third Strike on my emulator. Um, I bought the Street Fighter Anniversary Edition for Dude, Switch. It's so good. It's pretty good. Yeah. I really like that collection. And then I really want to play Dauntless, but I ha- like, I've installed it and I just haven't played it, but I really want to. Dude. You know what I need to do? Hmm. I need to pay you. I'm saying this on live, so I'll actually do it. Fair. I need to pay you to like live Skype with me and like walk me through doing simple stuff in Unity. If you know, if yeah. you know enough about it, 
Dude, yeah. So I would I, pay I'm, you, like, lessons. I mean, like, like, I'll hang out with you and show you stuff. Like, I'm, So I'm a Unity certified instructor and Unity certified programmer. So, like, I, I know Unity pretty well. Like, I wouldn't consider myself a grandmaster, but, like, I can help you animate a sprite sheet pretty quick. I, I need to just – I just need to wrap my mind around the fundamentals and the basics. So, because a lot of times I'll, I'll watch, like, a tutorial video and try to follow it in real time, but there's – even beginning stuff, yeah. they're still light up. Like they have the curse of knowledge. They don't know what I don't know. Let me, let me get you access to my company because okay. the guy that does our fundamentals course is Unity's master trainer, and he taught me, and he's really, really good at teaching beginners. Um, so let me, I'll get you a code. To check out because it's it's like seven hours of like everything, and then from there you can decide how far much down, further down the rabbit hole yeah. you want to go because it's good. Like Josh is really good. Sweet. Well, how can people find you online? Let's wrap it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, at Thomas Winkley on Twitter, I'm generally yelling about politics. Uh, oh, far... so you get into politics? Oh, I need to follow you. Man, a little bit. Like, I generally just scream about how people are dipshits <laughs> and I hate our president. Like, it's nothing... There's <laughs> not... I don't have, like, educated takes. It's generally just, like, why is this guy a prick? Um, Street Fighter. I talk about Street Fighter, Game Dev, and... Occasionally, I get really mad and yell about politics, and that's pretty much it. But. And you, do you, uh, big, the big, what do you talk about normally on the big shiny so robot? So we talk about whatever's going on in pop culture. Uh, we we used to have like a very rigid schedule of video games, comics, collectibles. Now that we're all kind of going our own ways as adults and doing more stuff, like I talk a lot about fighting games. I talk about I buy a lot of collectible toys, specifically fighting game collectible toys. <laughs> I, I build fight sticks as a hobby, so I'll talk about those. Oh, that's pretty cool. Do you um, sell them? Um, Plug those. I, I mean, I have. I don't really sell them, but I uh, like. I'll build them for people if they want and help them. Yeah. I I just order all the stuff and then assemble them. Um, I'm building one that's made out of wood. I'm pretty excited about. Like, I got like a custom case from a guy in Denver. Have you sick. ever thought about building like one of those custom Mame arcade cabinets? I'm working on one right now. Really? Because <laughs> yeah, I've thought yeah, about. Yeah. I initially thought about back in the day generating leads because it's very niche and very low competition. I could yeah. dominate the marketing for that. Yeah. But when I was like calling around other companies and asking about like affiliate deals and. I just – it was too niche. It wouldn't really yeah. – there's not enough people buying them. Yeah, I would agree. And I think like especially those MAME cabinets that there's companies that are making them. Like one, Arcade 1-Up is like the one that's selling them right now. And I don't know how they're doing it. It's like a legal sort of – Yeah, I think – It's illegal, right? I, I think they're licensed. I think they get the licensing. Because like they're, they're advertising their Street Fighter cabinets at Capcom events that Capcom is running. So they have to. That has to be licensed. It's got to be licensed. Yeah. Like, there's no way they're there's, advertising. There's these other companies I'll see on Instagram or Facebook. But like X-Arcade. X-Arcade or yeah. like these. And it's like all these games and a little emulator. Or what, and I'm like, that's Those just great, emulation. Yeah. That, that has to be illegal. You can't retail. But I think they just like change company names and I don't know. I, I think what they're doing is they're basically saying, we'll get you the cabinet. And then they direct you on how to install the shit. So that you're everything. breaking the law once you get the – does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. So they're just selling you the hardware and then you're using the hardware. Because it says it comes with – maybe they do that. They say it comes with everything, but maybe you have to do the final steps yeah. to like get the emulator to run or whatever. What's Something. your? We can talk about emulators for a second. Okay. I do a lot of emulation. Okay. One, I wanted to ask you. So we didn't. We glazed over any PC gaming. I know you did. Yeah, Diablo, which I do. Yeah, but I know you went back and played Doom. Have you fucked with Brutal Doom? What Brutal Doom? No. Do you know what Brutal Doom is? No. Uh, we're gonna stay online just for a second. I have to show you this. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, you're gonna real time reaction video to Brutal Doom. Yeah, I've never done like I love Doom. Even the new Doom. Like the new Doom is like I don't like shooters, and this new Doom is crack. I love it. What is Brutal Doom? This is like uh, this is like a singular mod for the old Doom that's that. been worked on for like ten years. Uh, it's already got the metal riffs. 
I've been playing a shit ton of this. This looks amazing. What the... Holy fuck. They have, like, physics, animation, more blood, more guns. You can, like, actually play, like, a traditional first person, like, strafe and look yeah. up and down. Yeah. They have new, like, death animations. The blood is, like, actually moving and splattering. The blood splatters, yeah. Look at yeah. the melee. Kicks, punches. They have to roll down. They have, like, ragdoll yeah. physics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... This is so badass. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> just going. The arms flying off. There's a flamethrower. Do they run around on fire? Yeah. This is like the Doom modding community's Dude, this is the sick. poster child. Like yeah. the most comprehensive mod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have third person. They have like, like death anime, death like animation. glory kills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's I need to play I need to play that. That looks amazing. So yeah, we're uh, we're plugging Brutal Doom, but that's um, that looks sick. I just recently got into this. I started playing with like GZ Doom, whatever, it's like the Doom mod manager. Yeah. Um that's amazing. Um for emulators, what's your go to emulator? Have you played with the Dolphin? I haven't so I ha I had Dolphin on my Mac. Okay. Um and I liked it. Honestly, like all the emulation I've been doing is on a Raspberry Pi. So I installed. Uh, I, I haven't just, got into that at all. It's, it's it's easy. Like it's quick Linux install. Um, it's all imaged. So like you use, use like a Windows disk imager to image an SD card and then drop it into a Raspberry. Um, but I've been doing that and doing a lot of. So like I got the arcade port arcade ports of all like the old Street Fighters running on it. Um, and then like emulating, of course, like Super NES. Going back and playing some of those. So you haven't been doing like PS2, GameCube, not yet. I haven't done that on my PC yet. Okay. No, I've I been want trying to. to get Breath of the Wild. There are people out there with the new CMU, which is the Wii U emulator, mm. getting Breath of the Wild to run at 4K 60 FPS. Damn. I have the 2080 Ti and a decent CPU, and I can't do it. And I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that's, and I've been trying to figure that. I was hoping maybe. I, 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 I yeah, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. And with the graphics card I'm staring at, you should be able to do. Because sure. when it comes to PC, I can do whatever I want. Like yeah. everything's there's only actually what did I play? Sometimes open world games really will like not quite true 4K 60 FPS. A lot of new games will you can set it in 4K and they'll have a resolution slider. So instead of having to drop if you're I'm a like frame rate Nazi, it's got to sure. be solid 60 yep. or I'm going to I'm going to change some graphic settings. Yeah. So usually you can drop like shadows or something, but you can go from 4K to 1440, which yeah. is half. And it's a noticeable difference especially when you're sitting really close. Yeah. Um some games though, like the new Doom, the 2016 Doom, which is Awesome. Oh, you played it? So good. Oh yeah, my god. So the, good. the soundtrack to that game. Dude, it's amazing. I listen to it. I can't have it on in the car. I cannot <laughs> drive with that on because like my heart's I'm doing 90. Nothing hits harder than that soundtrack. Dude, yeah, it's so and it's, it's just so like so heavy. It's oh, it's fucking baller. It's yeah. like metal glitch yeah, prog it's, it's like, like electronic post industrial. Yeah. It's it's good. Mick Gordon is uh, I'm, Did, have you looked at the have you seen the 666 thing you put in one of the songs? Uh -uh. If you pull the spectral waveforms of one of the tracks, he actually figured out... A way to make it say 666. Yeah. That is so like, awesome. Just little Easter eggs. Yeah, dude, that album. 
Mm. Ah, so good. But uh, what was I saying about Doom 2016? Oh, oh yeah. it has a resolution slider. So instead of dropping to 1440, you can say, set it at 4K and then do 90% of 4K. So you're and you like, can find the perfect maximum resolution where you can get the 60 frames. Um, yeah, but that graphic card is amazing. But for whatever reason with CMU, I can't get Breath of the Wild to run 4K 60. And I purposely have waited because I'm like, if I have a PC and emulator and I know that, I'm like, I want to play that game in the ultimate. Yeah. The ultimate. There's a. I want to give a shout out to. There's a guy on YouTube called Kryzen X. Okay. I don't know if you. He does mm. the. Doesn't do uni, but he does. He's building a full remake of Ocarina of Time in Damn. Unreal Four, or maybe it is Unity. I'm pretty sure it's Unreal Four, and he has playable versions that you can download. Sick. And uh, that's like one of those kids. I don't know how he hasn't got a cease and desist. He's been working on it for like. Usually Nintendo's like really super litigious, super intense yeah. about that, but he's still cracking at it. Damn. Have you thought about doing any like since you know Unity well? Um, off jumping and on. into the game, like I like I, I I do a lot of prototyping. I've actually I'm building a D and D app right now. I've I've got the first version of it running on my phone where to like calculate all your stats and your rolls and all that type of stuff. I'm working on making it uh, more of a platform. Here's me talking startup languages, but like yeah. where you can basically take the spell book, dump it as a JSON file, and then I can import everything so you can like customize it. But, like, I like making games. I like making game prototypes, but I like recreating systems. Um, I mean, if, if a company came along and I had a job offer, I would probably do it. But, like, yeah. the indie game grind is not something I'm really interested in. There was a really it's good brutal. article I read, I believe, on Polygon, which is I, – I, I don't know if you like Polygon. I'm off and on. You're on and on. Some of their journalists kind of, make me want to punch them in the throat. But They th- do have some – They're pretentious, yeah. man. They're some pretentious. Yeah, they yeah. are kind of like the cool I, – I met um, – who was it from Kotaku that left went to Polygon? He was – Nathan – not Nathan Grayson. Um, was one of their – he was like their main dude on Kotaku forever, and he went to Polygon. I, He's got the long hair and the goatee, black hair. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Ah, oh, what's his name? I met him at E3 and asked about – like how's, how do you like Polygon? Because I've been reading yeah. IGN and Kotaku. Uh, IGN, Kotaku, and Rock, Paper, Shotgun yeah. are like my three main sites. And I saw him at E3 and he – just me asking like, how do you like Polygon? I liked you guys. He was very sort of like bitch, like, uh, just very pretentious. Right. Just And I'm like, dude, you're not a – you're not like famous. It's not like a lot of people. Right. It's a very rare person like me who's going to recognize you, number one. Yeah. And know that you went from Kotaku to Polygon. And he treated me like I was, I don't know, she had E3. I don't know. Yeah. And like, so the thing that turned me off on Polygon was did you ever read that article they did about the when the last Guitar Hero came out? No. And it was basically like this dude went to, like, he went to a party for this game that he was there to cover. And it was basically the entire article was him talking about how. He was put on a rooftop party in L.A. to play rock band or Guitar Hero, and he couldn't be less thrilled because he would rather be drinking wine and talking politics. And it was like, then fuck you. Go write for The New Yorker. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's other sources for that, my guy. Like, how about you do what Activision paid your flight to do and tell me about this game that I might want to buy? And that that was the moment I was like, I can't fucking read this thing. I, I can't. Well, I just can't. They did have a really good article about the saturation of the indie game world and how many games oh, are released insane. on Steam and how hard it is to make money. Yep. And um, just and I felt bad because I'm like, dang it, I want more indie games. I play a lot of them. I right. buy them, but like, with, man, it's putting a game on Steam is. It's like putting an album out. Yep. Good luck. There's a million albums that come out every yeah. Friday and Steam or every Tuesday. Steam doesn't do anything to help you boost that exposure. Yeah. Right? Like, um, there's a lot of people on Twitter I've seen, and I can't remember their handles, but they'll tweet about like, hey, like, because there's like itch.io, there's Steam, yeah. there's GOG, there's like different platforms, and they, I've literally seen people. T- 
tweeting uh, screen grabs of their like engagement metrics from different platforms, and they are getting way better engagement on itch.io, GOG, like yeah, and they're Steam, like, which has all the player base. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, so why am I getting a way higher conversion rate here, here, and here than I am here? And I think part of it is. You know, there's a thousand new games a day launching, or whatever. It's well, not some that big, but it's some a huge number. number. Yeah, and the sales on Steam aren't going up by that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're they're slowly raising, but the content dump is huge. So how do you even get exposure? And that's like I love making stuff. I like the idea of building something in my own time. Like I've sat in meetings being bored and like made a little platformer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but like had the guy jump a robot jumping off platforms. But like. You'd never entertain I, the thought of trying to make a game, really? I don't think so. I think it's just like at this point, I'm way more interested in pushing myself as a fighting game player, as a content creator, yeah, and streaming, yeah, yeah. and just... There's a better path out. for you, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, just hanging out with misses, like, too. Yeah. Like, sometimes I just want to smoke weed and watch bad movies, and <laughs> that makes it hard to do anything else sometimes, so... Dang. How'd you... Damn. But you learned Unity working at Plural. At my right? job, yeah. So the short story is... I started doing AV production for them, um, coaching people on making content. I got promoted in a way to recruiting game development authors for that pipeline. And I started to really realize I had a knack for it because I was watching a lot of the content and going to conferences and talking to people to get them into our, you know, to get them to make content for us. And then I started really clicking with the guy running the platform, running that part of it. And I started really researching it um, going into October of 2017. Um, no, 20, when did he leave? It was 2017. Uh, we had a deal with Unity, uh, we're their training partners. We were producing content for them and we were on a super bad deadline. So I was basically like, all right, dude, you record it. Cause he was doing content and I will edit it and push it. So you record, I edit cause that yeah. will speed the pipeline up. And so I ended up watching you know, a lot 35 of hours yeah. of Unity content. <laughs> And by the end of it, I was like, I understand this. Like, I get this. Yeah, yeah. And so I started really doubling down um, and learning in my off time. And then going into the end of the year, he took a job at Unity. And they were like, well, you're the only other person at the company that understands this at all. So good luck. It's yours now. Run it. And so from there, I just started taking a lot more courses. Mm. Um, Unity actually came to me and gave me It was kind of trial by fire. You had to yeah. up your game. Yeah. And I started having to like troubleshoot project code for students who were getting stuck on stuff. And so I started learning that way. And then Unity actually came to me and was like, hey, like, do you want to be a certified instructor? Here's the program. We'll cover the fees. And I started just diving in and full bore basically at that point. And so I spent like a year working and then – training myself and working and kind of bouncing back and forth until I finally got to where I'm at now. And even now, like I would consider myself like, how much does Pluralsight charge for like the full unity course? So as somebody not able to speak for Pluralsight professionally, uh, it's like 35 bucks a month for full access to the whole platform. That's not bad at all. Cause that article on, I'm talking about on Polygon, they were kind of talking about places like full sale. Right. That are right. sort of predatory. Super get, predatory. You can take big loans out. Yep. And very few of their students actually well, make money. And, and, and the thing with Pluralsight is it's, you know, 35, 40 bucks a month and you get access to everything. So you're not just getting the Unity content. It's everything. You're getting C Sharp, Java, .NET, yeah, yeah. Marketing Cloud, Creative Cloud, like all, like there's like, I think we, there's like 6,500 courses on that platform. And so like you have everything. So if you're like, well, I want to learn how to program more and I've gone as far in the Unity coding stuff. Well, Unity is based on C Sharp. There's a thousand hours of C Sharp content. Yeah, I can yeah. go watch and become a better developer. So that's not, that's not a, yeah. that's a totally fair deal. Yeah. It's not bad. And I, again, like I learned it and that's kind of where I picked it up and now I'm doing other stuff too. And 
Code's fun, man. Sweet, man. If you want to learn how to play a game, go to Pluralsight. Pluralsight. I mean, you want to learn how to make a game. Yeah. If you want to learn how to play a game, just play them. Just play them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if, if you want to learn how to yeah. fight in fighting games, I guess check you out. Yeah. And... Uh, oh, yeah. So that's actually something I should put. So we are building a big community here in Utah. Um, Let's talk about that. Yeah. yeah. And our goal is to build an inclusive, welcoming community for anybody. Um, so we have a Discord. Uh, on Twitter, we're at GetGoodFGC. Um, our Discord is Get Good. Um, you can find us. There's an 801 Facebook, 801 Fighting Game Facebook group. I think it's called 801 FGC. Um, I'm the admin of that too. So, like, hook it up. If you want to learn to play, there's tons of players of all different levels. We train together. We play casuals every Thursday at Game Grid in Midvale. Um, there's a couple tournaments we go to. We're always talking tech. We're always playing online. We're always doing stuff. Um, if you need help with an arcade stick, if you need help with a certain character matchup, whatever, like we have resources for all of that. We have backing from quite a few groups. Uh, FocusAttack.com, which is one of the number one like part retailers for sticks, sponsor us, help us get stuff. Um, AllFightSticks.com, the manufacturer's bodies, quarters, arcade bar, X-Mission Internet. So we have groups like helping us build community. And again, like we're just about getting people together, hanging out, playing fighting games, and we want everybody to come play. Like if you are bad at games and want to get good at them, if you're just casual and just want to hang around. If you never around, touch Street Fighter, you can show up. Yeah, show up, hang out. Yeah. Like, and we will do our best to help coach you and talk to you and – it's just way fun. So, What's the origin of Get Good? So it was a joke, actually. Because so, I heard it from Dark Souls community. Yep. And people just, Is that like, where it started? I think, I think it was around that. And like, people in fighting games say it all the time. Like, I don't know, man. Just get good. Like, they just say that, right? Yeah, just get good. And so yeah. we took it as like a joke. And we always just started saying that as like a sarcastic, like, oh, if someone's an asshole, they'll just tell you to get good, right? And so then we made a Discord server and called it Get Good as a joke. And then it just kind of started like piling people in and building. And we were like, well, shit, now we have this thing and we're committed. Let's just run and with so it. So let's just run with it. So yeah, we actually have we just did our first run of shirts for uh, the Utah community to take to Evo. Um, we're running a tournament in November, so it's the best of Utah. So basically, we have a whole ranking system on GetGoodFGC.com where we're using an, um, a tournament API to scrape points. We have a whole thing set up. Have you um, heard of a podcast called I Am Salt Lake? Oh, uh-huh. have you been on it? I have not. You should be on that. But I am in because he always like he highlights dope shit yeah, yeah. that's happening in Utah. Yeah, I, I don't should... think he's had anything on about video game communities or, you know, nerd. He's, I think he's had some nerd. He's, like... So Lucas from Big Shiny Robot's been on there. Uh, okay. He was the one that owns our site. But I should hit up Chris. I like Chris a lot. Um... I was on his podcast way back in the day when I started the record label, Damson. Oh, dude. Yeah, I still follow Damson on Instagram. Yeah, so there's some – my partner's, uh, business partner is still running it. and he's do... Yeah, anyway, he had me on, and he's awesome. He's cool. super chill. He's, I guarantee you could get on it. I'll, I'll try to link you guys up. Yeah, that'd be dope. Cause I, yeah, you should I, talk about that because he has a big, a fairly big local listener yeah. base. And if there's people that are interested in fighting games and interested in that, that would be the perfect place for you to talk about I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, check us out. We do stream uh, twitch.tv slash getgoodfgc. We stream out of quarters once a month. We're on our tournaments. There's usually commentary. I can't say it's the most professional stream because, you know, we've been drinking, <laughs> but like, you, it, it goes hand in hand. And starting soon, so we just got internet put in at the KO Boxing Gym where we run our cat, our monthly, it's called Salt Lake Skirmish, and that's run by Mark Means, dope dude. Um, thanks to Armando for letting us, like, it's a legit-ass boxing gym, and we actually have PlayStation set up in the ring, and people are playing in the boxing ring. It's so that's fun. a cool... It's, it's fun, dude. It's That's a cool fun. environment for a fighting yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, badass. It's super fun. But Props to the gym for dude, allowing that. Yeah, and Armando's an amazing, he plays Birdie in Street Fighter Five. super dope guy, awesome boxer, um, but he's a, he's a boxing coach, boxer, and he plays Street Fighter with us. But he, uh, we're getting internet put into the gym, so we'll start streaming out of the gym as well. So more content coming that way, so you can watch people in Utah play, um... Yeah, maybe see us on stream from Evo. So, yeah. Sweet, man. Thanks, it's dude. It's been fun. Thanks for coming. Hell yeah, brother. Good seeing All you right, again. All right, guys. See you guys later.
And that is a rickety rippity 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 rapids. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're listening to this, as always, that means you listen to the entire podcast, which blows my mind. Means I love you, wrong time. Now go forth and share the good news of the Great Gaming Memories Gospel. Share this podcast with your friends, your families, your cats, your dogs, your exes. I don't give a shit. Coming up next on the podcast, we have one of my age-old friends, Adam Scott, also known as Atamu. He makes awesome artwork, fan art, sells it online under Atamu. It was a great time talking to him. You guys are definitely going to enjoy that show as well. Make sure to stay tuned. Until then, bye-bye.